Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. You make me want to be a better podcast. Yeah. Short, short is good. I can't sustain a Jack Nicholson. Hello, everybody. My name is Griffin Newman. David Sims. This is Blank Check with Griffin and David. We're hashtag the two friends. It's a competitive advantage because uh, I feel like some people don't get this. Uh, we, we are friends. The two of us. Yes. We host the podcast together, and that is unique. It's like you say, In an the field, advantage. It's right. an advantage. No one else does it. No one else does it. No one else has done it. No one else our, will do our it. Our guest hosts Solo. Solo. Solo Bolo. You're always rocking solo. You, you have occasionally had a guest co-host. You can talk. A couple times. Yeah. Yeah. But my fans uh, tend to vehemently dislike the guests. They just want me on a phone with a person. <laughs> That's what they want. And sometimes, I, I mean, uh, stop me, correct me if I'm out of line. Sometimes those guest co-hosts you have on are friends, but sometimes they're just people. One time it was Hannibal Burris. Right, he's a friend. Cool. One right? time it was Katie Couric. I, am I wrong in assuming that you do not you guys hang, don't hang on the regular? No, we have. That was the one time we <laughs> that hung. Was the one time. That was the one time we hung. Was she hanged. cool? She, she's super pro. cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She was very much a journalist about it. That was. It was an interesting thing. Right. Right. It's like right. an. It's it's, it's sort of an interview project. podcast, right. kind of. Yeah. But it's also just me an idiot chit chat. Also, hi, my name's Chris Gethard. We're <laughs> referencing a podcast called Beautiful Anonymous. I don't know. I don't know if they need that info. This is how we like to bring guests on. <laughs> but I'm yeah, backwards. No, it's like I'm very chit chatty and just like uh. So what else? And then, but we were talking. <laughs> we're actually talking with a trans caller, That's and she mean. was like, "So I've actually read a lot about the demographics of it." And it was like, "Oh yeah, you are a high level, well informed journalist." Casey, <laughs> different thing. Yeah. I went to uh, VidCon. The convention for uh, YouTubers and you don't have to brag. social media influencers. Well, look, I don't want to <laughs> brag, but I was there doing a uh, correspondence piece for a TV show that got canceled before they <laughs> aired my piece. Always so does did. that piece they just never saw the light of day? Never saw the light of day. Which we got to do to get our hands on this VidCon yeah, footage. Yeah, that's true. We got to resurface I'll, I'll this. I'll say this. It was a piece produced for a show for a network that you used to be on. Really? Yeah. Wait, really? I think you can surmise what network that is. Yeah. A network that sometimes doesn't put stuff on the air. Wait, no, I thought it was on... No, this was after that. Oh, okay. This All was right. after that. All right. Uh, but yeah, so humble brag, I made maybe a cool $150 to go to <laughs> okay. Orlando for three days in what Did was going to be Pauls? good real material that never aired. Didn't meet the Pauls. But um, the thing I was going to say was uh, I, I, we were checking in and I was with like the, the producer of the segment. And uh, we were just like, what the fuck is this? Like, we're so outside of this world. Um, this is before, like, people like Jake Paul had sort of, like, permeated yeah, to no, being, like, everyone is knows who he is, even if they don't know his work, because he's, like, a news item. And we were just watching, like, random 17-year-olds with, like, Nickelodeon haircuts who were just being, like, swarmed and mobbed, you know, and parents holding their crying daughters back and, like, four or five pockets of that. And we're like, these people are like causing like eruptions of tears and we don't even know who they are. And then I looked over and Katie Couric was just walking through the lobby <laughs> completely un unaffected, That's unnoticed. Wow. And you could tell she had like, she was flanked by like five bodyguards. Sure. She was like, okay, this could be rough. Let's just get through here as quickly as possible. And you could tell that she was like a little relieved that no right. one was mobbing her, but also like, 
Hey, but seriously, that guy? I'm, I'm Katie <laughs> yeah. fucking Couric. I was once in, uh, you know, you get, you do things on TV and they send you out on these like blitzes of like, just go do this and this and this. And mm. they were like, we have you uh, slated to be a presenter at the Shorty Awards, which sure. I didn't know what I did. Now I'm 37 years old. Humble brag. And then they were like, uh, I was like, what is it? And they said, it's like YouTube, Instagram, yeah. Vine driven awards. Short form content. Is sure. that an idea? Yeah. But I went and it was like a red carpet in the middle of Manhattan. Mm. Was there a celeb host? Flipping out. Uh, yeah, I forget who. Al Roker was backstage. Hey. Chilling. Katie's bud. Because I think he was big on Periscope at the time. Roker? Yeah, Roker was a, a dude. I followed Roker on Periscope and it made me delete Periscope. <laughs> like, Al Roker, chill the Would fuck he be like live out. every 20 minutes? You have no idea. He's like, getting a sandwich. No, was, I. Was I, it mostly weather or was it not no, weather at all? It was getting a sandwich level <laughs> stuff. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, Al Roker saw a dog. And he's chasing a dog down the street on Periscope. Roker was famously the first famous person you tried to get on the mm-hmm. Chris Gethard show when yeah. you were like still my, UCB basement. Yes. You could say that a lot of my career uh, took off because Al Roker rejected me. Yeah. So I switched to Diddy. Right. And that's how right. my long storied relationship with Diddy began. Yeah. If Al Roker just said yes, he would have come and done the show. It wouldn't have gotten any of the yeah, Al buzz or press. People are, I mean, I love Al Roker, but people are less impressed when Al yeah. Roker does well, a guest bit. He does it, a lot of those. It would have been more in line with the original spirit of the Get There show, sure. which was like, oh, that's a goofy thing these weirdos are doing. <laughs> very Manhattan, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. very New York-centric. Yeah. And instead, it was like, oh, now— this like mythical figure is involved. Yeah, like this wizard. And it gave it a sense of magic. But Roker declined very quickly, right? That was my memory was yeah, you night tweeted. Of, right. It was Christmas Eve. I was at my parents' house right. up in the Adirondack Mountains. So bored. You posted a shirtless video saying, I'm going to get a celebrity for next yes. year. Let's get Al Roker. Yeah. And then he straight up was just like, nah, I'm busy. Right. And then that, but you know, that was 2009. Sure. And I will say Twitter was pretty young then. And I think it was. Very new. I think it was like an early thing where people realized like, oh, these celebrities are actually using it themselves. Yeah. Yes. Like it's It was still the thrill of that. Yeah. Like remember when Charlie Sheen joined Twitter and people were excited? Yeah. People were like, oh no, what's he going to do? Like the idea that a celebrity would be on Twitter was still a novelty. And also like Twitter was small enough and, and kind of regional enough that once Roker rejected you and you were like, I'm going twice as big, hashtag Diddy Gethard. It got like a lot of traction because there was less stuff on Twitter. Like you didn't have like Magabots, you know? Well, I also think, I also realized that I was just bored, but it made me realize one of the smartest things I did was I did it on Christmas Eve Mm. when every young person who uses Twitter is probably (laughs) so bored of talking to their aunts and uncles. Right. So people were like, I'll retweet this thing. You're fucking with Diddy? Great. This is anything that's not my family? Great. Yeah. Helped a lot. Uh, this is a podcast called Blank Check. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, Am I allowed to curse? I just said uh, yeah, the F word. Oh, 100%. I said the F word. Sorry, I didn't ask for uh, that. No, please keep saying it. Okay. Uh, it's a podcast about filmographies, directors who have massive success earlier on their careers and given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion projects they want. Sometimes they clear and sometimes they bounce. Baby David's holding up his eyebrows. He looks like Satan. Uh, this, of course, is a mini series on the films of Diddy. Um, no, this is a miniseries on the films of James L. Brooks, and Who's we've gotten to the titular Diddy. episode yes. as pod as a cast. No, this, this fucking podcast miniseries is called Podcast News, oh. but this one we can call as pod as a cast. Thank you. Yeah. 
and uh, and and as he introduced himself, Chris Gethard, host of the Chris Gethard Show, Beautiful Anonymous, uh, second time guest. I, I mean, maybe the most request we've ever had for return guest because it's been a while. You haven't been on since the Star Wars days. Yeah. Well, that's very flattering that people enjoyed it. Thank flip you, for everyone. It. Still flip for it. Enjoyed the performance review episode yes. for episode three, Revenge of the Sith. Yes. They're very specific. Well, I'm very passionate about it. You, very yeah. passionate about Star Wars. Always yeah. have been. Yeah. My whole life. Grievous, a dickhead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, come on. Not even good at what he does. <laughs> How did he become a general? <laughs> Wait, promoting him. What do you think of the new Star Wars? I've been liking them because, like, we—I guess we had not seen those the last time we no, did this podcast no. together. We loved Rogue One. Oh yeah, loved Rogue One. Yeah, I, it, I thought it was so. I thought it was re- actually pretty bold of them as a giant corporation to realize, oh, we have these standalones. People can die now. Sure, that's pretty crazy when you think about it. They all died. But I also I saw you. Yeah, like a like a everyone fail, like everyone a, six, spoiler. Everyone died. Yeah, and yeah. Le- but like a wipeout. Like, of course they killed Obi Wan, and of course. People died, but they come back as ghosts to That's please true. children. And so you can sell translucent toys. And then, you know, to see one where they're like, no, let's wipe them all out. Here's why they, here's why they weren't in the other movies you saw. Because right. they all met Dunzo. grisly deaths. Mm-hmm. Quite grisly in some I, cases. I like saw it. you very shortly after Rogue One came out. And I was telling you my reservations with the movie. And your response was, I think you misread the film. If you ask me, that movie is about one thing, and that one thing is General Raddus. Yeah, that was General Raddus's, uh I, I feel like that was really, they were putting him up on a pedestal. It was a vanity piece for General Raddus. <laughs> when you reconsider Rogue One from the viewpoint of General Raddus, he's very vastly um, different film. He's very Churchillian, General Raddus. Yeah. yeah. I, I will say, I have some strong opinions on Last Jedi, specifically okay. a character that I've come to hate. Oh, no. Morally. Who? The fucking uh, uh, Oscar Isaac's character. Oh, Poe Dameron. Uh, Poe Dameron. Po Dameron. You hate him. You're hate down him. on Poe. This guy, <laughs> uh-huh. by the standards of any military outfit, should be, they should behead him on TV for treason they and should mutiny. Throw him in jail and lock away the key. He is That's personally for sure. responsible for the death of yeah. uh, roughly 70%. Of, of the rebel of the rebels, I mean, he he ignores it and and eats up all their bombers in the end, right. or in the very beginning, and then in the end he pulls an outright mutiny, and because he wasn't let in on the plan, when frankly, sir, you're not at that level in the chain of fucking command. It's called the chain of command. You have, you, have, you follow orders in the rebel alliance. Because of that, all his mutiny accomplishes is a massive delay. That when you watch that movie the second time. Clearly contributes to the fact that all those ships don't make it to that safe haven they're trying to get to because he delays them getting there. Wow. So you're He's just. He's a war criminal. So in the third movie, you're just going to boo the second, like, you, Oscar Isaac's handsome face pops up. The fact that anyone likes him at the end of that, instead of being like, you completely ruined this. The fact that we're in a cave with fucking crystal dogs, like, hanging out for bare life, <laughs> is your fault. 100% you personally. It's your fault. Can, oh, I throw, damn it. can I throw out one counterpoint? And instead, I saw Oscar Isaac in Hamlet at the public, and uh, oh my God. Yeah, that guy's a pretty good. Boy. Yeah. Talented person. Yes, he who, is very talented. Who was your favorite Last Jedi character? Do you have like a standout for you? Was there a Raddus of the film? Oh, great. Great question. I was telling yeah. you my problems with Rogue One, and your counterpoint was, but what about General Raddus? And I said, <laughs> I can't argue with Raddus. And you said, as far as I'm concerned, that's Raddus's movie. Yeah. And if you like Raddus, you like the film. Yeah, you got to... 
You got to be down with that. Oh, here's another thought I had about Last Jedi. Because I actually like those crystal dogs. You remember cool. the crystal dogs? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, good, yeah, guys. They're sweet. good guys. Here's a weird thing that needs to be brought up about Star Wars. Mm. We've seen we've seen Twi'leks with their sure the their tendrils. Yeah. Yes. we've seen Gamorrean guards, giant pig creatures. We've yeah. seen. I mean, yeah. think about the you know the Mos Eisley band, those weird bulb heads. Mm-hmm. You've seen everything. Have we ever seen a four-legged creature with the ability to speak in the Star Wars universe? Wow, so you're saying like Star Wars posits wow. that being a bipedal like is somehow better like, superiority. Right. How yeah. do we have whereas a dewback, mm. you just get I'm referencing dewbacks here. Yeah. Mm. yeah. You just get a saddle put on you. It's a steed. I mean, you know, steed. Sebul- no agency. Saboba he, well, but he, that was he gonna be my kinda, counterpoint. But Sebulba, he walks weird. on two feet. Though. He just walks on the wrong two feet. That's yeah. the thing. I mean, Sebulba, it's kind of odd one. And the question is: <laughs> Is he walking on two of his four feet, or is he walking on his arms? That's yeah, another question I, for me. Is Sebulba a hand walker? Yeah. When are we gonna see a four leg? Because how you can have the Ewoks everywhere. You yeah. Every corner of the globe, they respect they're, the rebels. They're, they respect stand upright. Yeah. That's but a very good. There point. have to be some creatures that evolve in a way where the most intelligent way to develop is four legged. Well, and walking. and we have yeah. like six armed people, right? I mean, yeah. it's like Dexter Jetster, you know. But like, yeah, Dexter you're Jetster. right. There is no one who walks on all fours <laughs> who would be like in a Senate situation right. or a rebel <sighs> planning room situation. Right. To my to my remembrance. And then there are some goofy also, fucks well, who have gotten elected to I Senate. It's not like there's a high bar there. Yeah, yeah there's some, yeah. well, and also remember the pod race. There are some real, yeah. you know, crazy cats. But another thing, one of the scariest sights in Star Wars is the AT-AT, four legs. Four-legged. There's a real four-legged bias. So everyone's like, ah, you know. And imagine how much scarier it would be if the AT-AT went, hey, how's it going? How do you do? Because I was, no, but I was honestly thinking how cool yeah. would it have been if those crystal dogs had been like, follow us. We can get oh, you out of here. Like you'd have flipped right. out. Hello. You'd have flipped out. Yeah. Here's another opinion. Here's another opinion. Yeah. You guys and I think all your listeners will appreciate about my opinions on the new Star Wars movies. Specifically, not talking standalones here. Force yeah. Awakens, Last Jedi. They both pulled a very emotionally manipulative stunt that I have to call out, and they have to stop doing it right now. It's playing with my emotions. Okay. It's playing. With my, I mean, you guys probably already know what it is here. I don't. How the fuck you gonna have two movies? Where you imply to me that Niendum dies. And then there's a shot, a very brief shot of him standing around. Right He's, at the end. Niendum is now one of the final survivors of the yep. original rebel crew. He yep. should have like 50 like notches on his ship of like all the kills he's made. I would go so far as to say this, my friends. I would say that uh, General Radis was the focus. I would go so far as to say that Force Awakens and The Last Jedi have both secretly been about Niendum. Well, and here's, here's another thing, <laughs> oh, okay? Boy. Because like everyone in the rebellion is dead now, basically, oh, except he, for he's Nian in that Nam, final shot, and, and that they guy never mentioned a weird sort of elephant face. Yeah, the dude with but the. But was he yeah. even around in the first three? No, no he's just no. in Return of the Jedi. See, oh yeah, and, and talking Yam Nam. Well. Yeah, yeah, but right, the yeah. elephant is he not in the Force Awakens? Okay, so we are correct on this because I said he was in Force Awakens, and I got well, some he shit wasn't on Twitter. In Jedi, no, was he? no, absolutely not. No, 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 no. There's another creature of his species in Force Awakens, but that. Other alien pilot who's still on the Millennium Falcon alive at the end of the movie is new to Last Jedi. Yeah. Now here's the bigger thing. Where's okay? Wedge? Where have they addressed where Wedge Antilles is? Uh, by the, the actor way? just is like, no thanks. Oh, is that true? Yeah. They wrote. <laughs> He's the, really that guy yeah. is like, no, I don't want yeah. your millions of dollars. The Max von Sydow like, character in Force Awakens was supposed to be Wedge right. as like a handshake, oh, and he was like, I'm not this. coming back unless you give me a bigger part. Uh, I believe I want to find the exact quote because it's a very How funny quote. How did I quote. miss this? How did I miss this? 
He thought these he movies, was power these, playing them, and they were just like, cool, we'll hire Max Fonsino. Or we'll just fucking draw this in a computer, <laughs> dickhead. <laughs> they asked me, but it just would have bored me. That's what he said. And he's also swimming in... That guy yeah. has... He's in all three of the original movies. He's, he's got... He's like the Judah Freelander on 30 Rock right. movies. Yeah. Yes. It's just That's like the best game. Every yeah. month, three envelopes come through the door. I mean, having been in tiny parts in movies that did okay, uh-huh. and I still get residual checks that aren't sizable, but yeah. like, I was right. in the heat in one scene. Right. I was cut from Iron Man 3. I still get little okay, checks. That's what I was okay, going to ask. That was going to be my question. Do you get I the Iron Man 3 check? I get, I get residuals I, from three movies I was cut out of, which is insane. SAG rules. You, I don't think you get the same residuals you would have gotten yeah. if you, you were in it. You get a smaller it, chunk. You sure. gave them the time. Right. And union rules, you get a little money. Wow. Wedge Antilles, that guy is definitely a multimillionaire oh, based yeah. off well, of those oh, three yeah. movies. The king of residuals is John Ratzenberger. Oh, Ratzenberger. He's in Empire Strikes Back. He's in Empire Strikes Back. I quietly heard he's the most... Uh, uh, he's made the most money out of it. Yeah, he's the highest grossing actor. Every Pixar movie. Pixar movie. And Every, then there's there's another big thing he's in I'm forgetting. You're right. Empire Strikes Back. Well, yeah. Oh, cheers. Yeah, King of Residuals. At Talk any, about residuals. Residuals. At any given moment. They should change Cliff. the word residuals to Ratzenbergers. Yeah. <laughs> Got another Ratzenberger today. Is, is there a second on this planet where somewhere in the world a oh, Ratzenberger Superman. project... Thank you. Yes. He's a, in Superman. A Ratzenberger project is not somewhere airing on TV. Right. He's right? it's like Law and Order. Great question. Right. right? Great question. No, right. I don't think so. Yeah. Right now some kid is watching Finding Dory. Right. Yeah. Now here's my very loaded question. Okay. I also appreciate that you called them a Ratzenberg project. <laughs> it's a rat a Ratzen- <laughs> It's him and it all spreads I out mean, of there. Ratzenberg's kind of my radis. Anything yeah. with yeah. John Ratzenberger is a John Ratzenberger project for me. This is my big loaded question, okay? We all know that tragically we lost Carrie Fisher. And Kathy Candy has said that her intention was for this new trilogy, each one to kind of spotlight one of the legacy players Mm -hmm. as they're kind of passing the torch off to these new characters. Mm -hmm. Force Awakens was Han's movie. Mm -hmm. Last Jedi was Luke's movie. Mm -hmm. The intention was that the next film would be Leia's film. And now that's obviously not a possibility. But I I will say people are shitting on the scene where she... uh... Yes, where she pulls herself back in. I actually loved that scene. I love that scene. I loved that scene. That scene really works for me. Because I think that scene implies something that has always been kind of sort of uh, under the the subtleties of of Jedi was like, oh, was it supposed to be Leia? Were Yoda and Obi-Wan? Is there like like a sliding door situation? secretly the most powerful out of any of them? And even more powerful because she didn't feel the need to use it. And like she never trained in it and she can still maintain oxygen in her lungs and get herself in instinctively with seemingly no Jedi training. Well, yeah. and one I thing, loved it. I Ryan, loved that scene. I don't get why people are picking on that scene. I don't either. I, don't. I saw, did you see Ryan Johnson finally like, you know, tweeted about that? Cause yeah. people, I guess, bug him about it all the time. Yeah. He was like, you know, people say to me like, how'd she do it? She doesn't have any air. She's in space. And he's like, Moving in space is very easy. Yeah. There's no resistance. And like his, his other point was, this is not like something where she needed to pull herself. Right. And like, she like, just needs to move. I think it's a very beautiful scene. scene. I think the music is wonderful in it. I'm sorry, Ben. I knocked over the red guard. He knocked over one of Ben's red. Knocked boys. over my red boy. No boy. And now no, Ben's got a red is boy. About, I want to be clear. This, it's about James L. Brooks. As right? good gotta, as it gets, we got we got to get going. I, this is my big my big <laughs> take. Going I for bring about fifteen up. minutes. This so, is my big right. take. I want to bring up. Do you think now, backed into a narrative corner, not able to make the episode nine they originally intended, yeah. as the last major legacy player linked to the original films, they make nine episode nine numb. 
And, well, you're and also ignoring the presence of Chewbacca. <laughs> we got Chewie, we got C-3PO, we got R2. But I think they've always been side dishes, right? Yeah. That's all the point is they're kind Where's of just Nam stable. Is... He's a fucking star. Well, he's Much like I mean, Jack Nicholson. If Nian Nam's on screen, you're watching Nian Nam. Well, I, I do think... Here's the thing. Yeah. First of all, I want to yeah. see these fucking youngsters in the Rebel Alliance. Let's recognize that this guy lived through some major battles that they've heard mythologized. Mm-hmm. I want to see... I want to see this guy having rank over them, command over them. I don't mm-hmm. care that he doesn't speak the basic language, the shared common He's tongue. He's a Solastin. He's believe. a Solastin yeah. from a mining planet, <laughs> one of cool. the earliest societies to actually buy into the rebellion. Yeah. As the Empire, sh- do you guys know this? Yes. The Empire shows up on Solast because they're like, we need to take over your mines. They commit war Just, crimes. Uh, yeah, they take over the mines. No, we take to the mines. We immediately start a resistance. We're, the, we're one of the first ones. This guy was a big part of it, man. I also will say this. Having memorized the Star Wars Encyclopedia in, in uh, high school, I know the name of the Solaston that signed the Compact of the New Republic in the now non-canon <laughs> story of the post. And what is his post- name? Cien Tev. Oh. <laughs> what a fucking guy. I, I think maybe all Solastins have two syllable first names, one syllable last names. That's but my why favorite. don't they throw some shine to Nian Nam? I'm saying episode Nian Nam. That's what they got to do. And Put him it, in the center. Now, I got in a fight with Bobby Moynihan about this because he's my friend who I have real childlike uh, Star Wars comics. Sure, with. right. Um, is the new Nian Nam, he said it's the same actor, but is that not CGI? No, it's, it's a, not. No, it's not. It is practical. That's an actor. That's an actor. There's an actor that they have uh, that head. slender a body and yes. that big a head on. Little guy. Little guy, big head. Yeah, little guy. Now, I also heard, is this true? I remember when I was a kid at my most Star Wars Obsessed hearing that Nien Nam's language is an actual uh, African Oh, really? Language. Like really? they just repurposed the language. And apparently when He they, doesn't say a lot except like, blah, 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 blah. Like it, but not, apparently when Return of the Jedi met the regions of Africa where this language is spoken, he's saying like nonsense in this real language. God. And people erupted in cheers and laughter. And he became a cult figure. Because he's just saying like dishwasher, table. It was like something about just, food. It was something oh, about really? food. He's saying like coherent I, sentences. I've yeah. had trouble tracking this down. but I And I forget where I first heard it or read it. But I remember hearing a rumor that it was him saying like spicy foods mess with my stomach or like something like that in Kenya in Kenya 1983 audiences roar in laughter because he says what are you doing over there all of you please come over here in Kikuyu which is a Kenyan dialect there you go this is why your fans love me oh yep. god <laughs> I had no idea ding dong ding dong Let me get yep. this. I look how he leans over Hello? There was an idea. Excuse me? Who, how, how can we help you? It's called the Avengers Initiative. The idea was to bring together a group of remarkable people. I get it. See I if they could become something more. See if they could work together when we needed them to fight the battles we never could. Are you saying that you're, you're Nick Fury? But the white one. Oh. I want to make it clear so it's not offensive. <laughs> okay. The white Nick Fury. Sure, from the comic book. Has anyone thought... But you're reading the lines from the movie, Nick Fury. What, what, what movie? What are you talking about? So you, all right. Okay, Nick. What right. movie are you talking about? <laughs> you're here telling me that you're hiring. I'm looking. You're looking? For a team. For the best talent. Oh, well, I'd say a group of remarkable people. That would be my wording. So you're saying great candidates. Yeah. I mean, people who could work together when we needed them to fight the battles that we never could. Yeah. What if I told you, Nick Fury? Yeah. Are you sergeant or commander? Well, I've worked through different ranks. I mean, I obviously led the Howling Commandos. Right. Yeah. 
but like, what, 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 what are we, we talking head of shield at this point you are? Yeah, I mean, call me Nikki. You're dropping the voice too. I'm not dropping the voice. Um, this is how I speak. Little Nikki. <laughs> little Nikki. Yeah, call me Little Nikki. <laughs> what if I told you there's a website where you can post your job to a hundred of the web's leading job boards with just one click? Would I be able to collect resumes of remarkable people? Yes. Well, it's called ZipRecruiter. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Every business needs great people and better way to find them. Something better than just posting your job online and praying for the right people to see it. And you can just, what is it? What's the job exactly? You're just saying you're looking for the best people? There was an idea <laughs> no. called the Avengers Initiative. No, no. Just keep going. It was to bring together a group of remarkable he people. He wants like fighters and people to work. Sure. Well, people who could work together when we needed them to fight the battles that we never could. Zip recruiter I mean, can handle whatever it is you're looking for. They look for the most qualified candidates and they invite them to apply to your Avengers job. They got a Hulk? Uh, well, 80% of employers, and that's you, yeah. who post on ZipRecruiter, get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. So maybe you'll get your Hulk. What about a guy with a bow and arrow? <laughs> yeah I think there's a subcategory for that okay right bow skills um, yeah zip recruiter it's the smartest way to hire well I'm sold I guess I should just walk out this door and uh, hire zip recruiter at full price excuse me thanks, let me walk wait, out wait, of here no, what? No. thanks for putting your hand up there Ben to of stop course him. I wanted to make sure you gotta hear this though and our listeners too I mean okay, but listen. don't make me turn around too many times because this long leather jacket is heavy and if I twirl too fast <laughs> yeah, it but causes he's dusting, lower back pain. he's dusting the floor for us it's actually great it's a duster it's so, a leather dust so yeah. if you you can find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results right now my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free that's right free just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash blank. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash blank. So I go to ZipRecruiter.com and then I leave the rest of the URL blank is that's, what you're saying. That's not true. What? Actually, what you do is go to ZipRecruiter.com slash blank. One more time. Tell me. ZipRecruiter.com backslash blank. That's right. Well, thank you so much. Okay. I'm Don't. so happy I came in here today. You've done me such Can a favor. Can you holster your weapon now? He's been pointing a gun at us the whole time. Let me put it back. Look, I gotta, I gotta level with you. I haven't been entirely honest since I've been in here. Okay. By the way, Chris Gethard, big fan of your work. <laughs> Thank you so much. You as well. Thank you. Yeah. I've been, I've been holding a secret. What is it? I had an idea. <laughs> Get out no, of here. To bring Sorry, together. Sir, I'm gonna push you. Yep. Thank you. Um, thanks, thanks for putting up with that, Chris. No, it's my pleasure. You know, we have these guests sometimes. I really sometimes wish Griffin wouldn't open the door. I got it. I got it. And when they're here, I show my respect by standing in total silence. <laughs> he was a sergeant during World War II. And That's then right. A, a colonel. Sure. Colonel Nick Fury. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't he a general at some point? He's got to be a Probably. general. I mean, I mean he's gone he's through He's in there. charge of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. I mean, he's in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, more than anything, though. Title I think he wears the proudest. Friend. Mm. You know? Good mm. friend. Mm -hmm. yeah. Agent as well. Though. Agent. Of yes. S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes, mm -hmm. of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm -hmm. Now, he had a bit of a downtown look, to bring it back to as good as it gets. Oh, Nick Fury, yeah. I mean, that's how I looked. <laughs> Mid-90s, downtown. Downtown Griffey name. Yeah. I looked like a Eye white patch. Nick Fury. <laughs> Streak of white hair. Yeah. Duster. Yeah, blue and white Cigar. jumpsuit with a lot of straps. Cigar. Cigar. Always smoking half a stogie. <laughs> he was. that. That is such a 90s comic book thing. It's just like, they, they need more straps. A lot, a lot of, of straps. Like, just can mm -hmm. we have like straps vertical, diagonal, like all kinds of straps. Yeah. 
I mean, you two are both like big hardcore X Men people. I'm like a big X Men. That's your main. Right. Jam. You know what I've gotten into recently that I I never read as a kid. That's I think maybe the best run of a comic book I've ever read. Shoot. Have you read Walter Simonson's Thor? Yes, I have. That's Holy amazing. No. I'm so inventive. Shit. That's the one so with like the frog good. Thor. The frog Thor. The Beta Ray that Bill. Great. Beta, Beta Ray, Ray Bill. Bill is my Beta Ray Bill is like my favorite superhero now. Beta Ray Bill is the best character. It's so insane. He's so, amazing. Have you read these comic I books? I've never read Thor. I gotta. Ooh, you gotta get on it. I never because when yeah. I was, did you buy a, a a book or have you been Marvel DMing Unlimited? online? It was Marvel Unlimited. Yeah, and then I liked it so much, I went and spent. Uh, I, I asked for money. Christmas for the right. omnibus. Right. I love those My omnibuses. Wife got me the omnibus. Wow. Yeah, that was your your wife Christmas ask. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a big endorsement. Yeah. He also, I like his Fantastic Four stuff a lot. Yeah, so I mean, I've read that. He did X Factor. Yeah. Yes, he did. But this Thor stuff. He did the like uh, the Apocalypse X Factor, yeah. like the old X Factor. Yeah, stuff. yeah. yeah. Uh, back when Apocalypse was just kind of like a big guy, a big unexplained. Yeah, just a big blue guy. Threatening. Yeah. That was that era. You look back to when it was like Apocalypse and Mr. Sinister. Mr. Sinister, yeah. A lot the of, 80s. A lot of villains where they were very hazy backstories. Right, yes. where it was like people to Chris Claremont and people like, what's the deal with this guy? And he's like, oh, no, I got it planned. I got it planned. We're just yeah. going to push that off uh, yeah. for a couple more it's years. Funny, what's his power? He looks fucking cool. Yeah, Mr. Sinister's powers never are really never. explained. Never. I loved him as a kid. And oh, it, he's to this, the best. To this I love day. Great design. name, rad look, cool downtown look. But I stopped reading at a certain point as I grew up to this day. I do not know his backstory, no. identity, motivations, why he does any of the things he does. Did you um did you ever get to like Executioner's song or had you tapped out? I read that? Executioner's song. He was part of that. But uh it's sort of a t- side He's part of it. Part of Inferno too. Oh, of course. Well, that's the that's, that's the classic. Hard. That's his Where big. Chris Claremont's like, I'm going to tie up the cable mystery for good. It's going to make sense and then Inferno is fucking bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, tell you yeah. I re- with Marvel Unlimited, I read Simonson's Thor for the first time. Sure. Read Frank Miller's Daredevil, reread it. Which is great. I especially like Frank Miller when he was just still just drawing Daredevil. Um, but yeah. Yes. Yeah. But it made me realize I'd always been such a Claremont devotee. I think Claremont comes in third place as far as wow, Marvel Wow, to runs. those two. Wow. Well, his wow. is also endless, though. It's yeah, open-ended. Him and his peak is amazing. Dare- Frank Miller on Daredevil is so short. Right. Yeah. And then Simonson is much longer, but you can tell... That's the thing. It's one of the only comic books runs I've read where you can tell he knew the ending before he got hired. He knew that whole story before he sat down. Claremont's X-Men, I mean, it goes and goes, and it's impressive, the back-to-back-to-back storylines that are such hits. Yeah. Yeah. But my heart was breaking a little bit. I found things I liked better than Claremont's X-Men. I'll say this. As good as it gets, a lot of solid performances in that movie. Now, one performance rivals the performance of the guy who played Kit Fisto. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, you're complaining about Oscar Isaac. You're playing with Poe Dameron. It sounds like you want like a Fisto there. You know, like pull Poe out. You want like a Fisto presence. somebody call this guy in the shit. A real wrecking crew rather than someone who's like, you know, trying to be... Uh, the rebel. Yes, to be fair, yes, one of the yes, things you yes, liked yes. about the Wrecking Crew and Kifisto in particular was that he was willing to break the rules and go against his higher ups if he thought he knew what needed yeah, to be but, done to get the shit done. But he never put lives at stake. Well, there's the difference between being like a Ronin who goes off on your own, sure, which a classic yeah, Fisto, and that's like yeah. Wolverine and the X Men. Sure. Right. Wolverine sometimes needs to go off on a mission where he's going to kill a lot and put himself in harm's way. He walks away from fucking Salem Center. And yeah. the Xavier Mansion to go do those himself. He doesn't right. put the X-Men in harm's way for his individual pursuits. Poe Dameron is in a ship. He's on the comms. He's part of a 
concentrated, organized effort here. I'm sure they've had, before he gets out there with those bombers, they've had a whole lot of strategy meetings and a whole lot of goals and a whole lot of objectives laid out. When they accomplish them and say, get the fuck out of here, it's because we need those weird, admittedly poorly designed and useless bombers <laughs> that need Very that strange move bombers. that are vertical and move at a snail space and need to be directly above their target yeah. to have any effect. To be, uh, to be fair, they're yeah. easy yeah. targets to pick yeah. up. Get them out of here to live another day, dickhead. My biggest problem with the bombers was that if you just shoot one of the bombs inside them, the bomber's gone. That's it. All the bombs go up and that's that. Like maybe a shield. I'm not putting it on Poe that those are perhaps the most useless weapons (laughs) of war. I've ever seen. Yeah, let's pack all our explosives into what looks like a floating test tube. (laughs) And it just needs to... Like at a helium balloon pace. It needs two people, too. Yes. You need someone yes. to open the doors. You need some, yeah. Yeah. So what do you think Fisto would have done in that situation? How do you think he would have handled it? Listen, the whole movie, you get Fisto in these movies. None of these movies need to happen. <laughs> They're like 20 minutes long, the movie. Yeah, They're one he, he personally infiltrates. <laughs> Snoke. Yeah. Yeah. The fucking, that guy who's in every movie now, Domhnall Gleeson. Yeah, yeah, right. He'd be dead. Yeah. Farmer McGregor himself. Domhnall Gleeson could play Chris Gethard in Chris, the Chris Gethard story. Don't you think so? Put a, put some glasses on that Right. Because yeah. I he, just saw him in the in the National uh, Lampoon movie right. where he's wearing the glasses. When David Ray, Wayne directs his early days of the UCB movie. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I would be featured in that. Yeah. Now, here's a question about my glasses that I think you guys as pop culture, uh, um, Trendsetters and that's what we are, and yeah, definitely. Almost like you are almost like the Awatu, the Watchers. Wow, of pop culture. If we're getting that's a Marvel universe, that's a huge compliment. I've been contemplating getting LASIK. Oh, wow. And one of the writers on my show, Nicole Dressel, sat me down and flipped out and was like, You keep saying that you're gonna ruin your career. Like, the glasses are too important. The glasses are like a, a totem. I mean, Weird Al did it and he. He survived. He did a whole kind of look. He also had to shave the mustache with it. That's he had true. to do a kind he of rebrand. He did have to change it up. But he, he did it. He needed an update, to be fair. He did. <laughs> That's true. Right. It had been I'd 15 like solid years. I <laughs> right. I do think it could, it, it might be a Jennifer Gray situation, though. You know? Right. That's what you in always way, think in of. What sense? She, she got a nose you know, she job. She famously had this like great kind of like Jewish Look, nose, yeah. pointy nose. Right, is becomes a big star. Is in Ferris Bueller. Is in Dirty Dancing. Yeah. America loves her as this very relatable yeah. sort of girl. And then she got a nose job and her career died. And she looked too conventionally pretty. And people stopped. But like, do you think that's why, or is it just she's another in a long line of you're not allowed to be a young female star with long longevity? I mean. <laughs> Is it just complicated the question. Is it just the excuse? complicated question? You also think of um, what's her name? Carrie Russell, Russell with the haircut, cutting her yeah. hair. Uh-huh. Can, can I give you a Carrie Russell and the Americans? By the way, good stuff. Oh, do you not Great watch performance. the Americans? I, I don't do. Watch the I do. Oh, the Americans is the most recent season was a little thin. I wasn't pleased the with the most showing. recent season. I'm glad it's now wrapping up. I hope the final yeah, and season they can get is. It back. Uh, you know. They didn't push it past the tipping point where I gave up, but you'd love the Americans. I'll watch it. Though. Just the use of wigs alone. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm wigs. a wigs. A lot of Fleetwood right. Mac. Uh, oh, the f- fucking Mac. Yeah, the Mac's Mac. there. A lot yeah, of Mac, a lot of wigs. The Mac is back, baby. Um, this we is, have not mentioned as good as it gets. We've had right. three or four. I just want to say this. I also say I've yeah. personally made two passes to get it back on track, I and I am not the host of this show. Yeah, I know. I was I was enjoying the Star Wars talk. I, I also feel like the fans thing. want it. Yes, oh, I think oh, so sure. Too. I think you should keep your glasses. Could but I get I also, LASIK and wear fake glasses? Okay, so this is what I was going to tell you. You could just do that. That's what Drew Carey does. That yeah. was my scoop. I was really? going to give you mm-hmm. Drew Carey 
in the time between like when the Carrie show ended when he started doing Prices Right, right, where he kind of went off the grid. He also lost a bunch of weight. He lost a bunch of weight right. and he got LASIK and he couldn't like no one accepted him anymore. They were too weirded out by how different he looked. So he now wears fake glasses. I just don't want to keep buying glasses the rest of my life. I love glasses. Oh, interesting. See, I'm not a glasses wearer. The, the act of buying glasses seems fun to me. I like, just bought two, two, new, pairs. Pairs. two new pairs for variety. Here's the thing that we yeah. both know. You fall asleep in your glasses two times yeah. and your glasses are just wrecked. Yeah. Interesting. It's true. They never fit right again. Huh. All right. And I love watching TV as I fall to bed, fall asleep. You know, and you got to watch it. Contacts? Do you not like contacts? Yeah, I tried contacts in high school and they, I found, I because I'm such an OCD worrier, right. I would think they had fallen out when yeah. they hadn't and then I would touch them to make sure they was there. They were there, and then I'd tear them. I have mm. a TV pair of glasses now. You do? Like an old you pair of glasses that's pair. shittier. That's I have a smart. junkier pair that I wear on the couch that watching TV sense. when so I, I might fall got asleep. got new ones. Maybe I'll keep the old ones for falling asleep. That is very practical and smart, hey. Griffin Newman. Hey, look. Having a pair of junky TV glasses is as good as it gets. As good as it gets. Now— Chris, yeah. when we told you we were doing a James L. Brooks miniseries, yeah. this is the one you wanted. Even more than that, I sent you, you gave a, me a list, list of, yeah, longer of multiple miniseries we the were going to do. The Paul Verhoeven was on there. Yeah, a right. couple we haven't revealed well, yet. Yeah. And the, I, I believe what I texted you back, Griffin, was the one thing I will say about this movie, it, it's funny, and I will say to you, I copped to Griffin, I, I did not have a chance, I've watched it in the past six months, actually, sure. coincidentally. Yeah. I did not watch it like in the past couple days, which I should have. That's I apologize. Good. I think Getting that's fresh Getting back from enough. a vacation, yeah. yes. and I've been scrambling to get my but the one thing I'll say right away is I love a good unapologetic dickhead character. Sure. And I, I've been thinking about it for this podcast. I think Jack Nicholson in this might be in my top three. Oh, wow. He's a third of three. Wow. An uh, absolute horror of a human being. But in a way that says. he is so brutal with it yes. that it becomes funny and lovable, which to me is a real uh, hard comedic acting thing to pull off. And I would say... Bill Murray and Groundhog Day. I was going to ask your other guys. Does it better? Sure. Yeah. And then perhaps one one of my number one comedic performances, Steve Martin in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yes. Yeah, that's it's a beautiful di- It's right. up there in the, that pantheon. That's a Ben favorite, I feel yeah. like. Oh, for sure. Maybe yeah. my second favorite uh, comedic movie. Because those are all difficult, and we love that movie, Planes, right? Trains, and Automobiles. Yes, I, I recently said, I, I you know think it's one of the best American the show? comedies. My wife's favorite actor, that dog. In the back of the truck and playing straight and oh, automobiles. Yeah. Well, now it shows now. Steve Martin shivering and then John Candy shivering and then that goofy dog is shivering. I like you saying that, that he dog's is great your wife's favorite actor, My which implies not actor. that that's her favorite performance, but that she follows his career closely and <laughs> likes his entire body actor, of work. Yeah. There he but is. yeah, I mean, Jack as. Uh, uh, th- there he is. Yes, that, that is, that is the a good frosty face dog. He looks a little bit like the the ice dogs from last year. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, yeah. Crystal Fox. Crystal Fox. Uh, but yes, Nicholson as a as a dickhead, and yeah. I, I think a pretty smartly written. Your term funny, was total dickhead. When total you texted dickhead, me, yeah. you said I just checked up. You said I love a good total I love dickhead. A good total movie. dickhead. Well, what I love about a, or what's hard about a dickhead movie is the guy actually has to be half horrible. Right. And like, that's just so hard to pull off and then make a movie and about him. Sit through 90 minutes to two hours of yeah. it. Two hours, 20 minutes. Yeah. Is it long, two, this is a long that's a movie. 140 yeah. minute movie. It's actually kind of a perfect plane movie in that sense. If you're yeah. like traveling that a is lot. That's when I last touring, watched right. it. Was on yeah. It has like seven acts. Like, yeah. right? It's one of those yeah. classic 90s, like Jerry Maguire, where it's just like, let's just do like a whole other movie in the middle of the movie. It definitely feels like a Netflix season. Like, this movie <laughs> would be a season of a Netflix show now. Have yes. you seen this film? 
I had seen it probably on TV when I was like 13. So no, probably edited, basically. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I was like watching Pretty Fair. I knew like the basic movements of it. Sure. Because I had seen this film way back in the day, probably like yeah. you. It's probably on TV like a couple years after. Oh, and I, I was watching it. Yes. old enough to remember it. I was young because this I, movie is 97. I was, I, was I was 11. I was 17. Right. I'm surprised I, can I tell didn't you, see it. This movie, yeah. had, this movie was beloved. This yes. movie, oh, yes. I mean- is was the sixth biggest movie of the year. It was the sixth yeah, biggest during movie a hot of the year. year too. The Titanic that, year. That was a stretch. Yeah. That 97, 98, and 99 were good years for movies. I'm going to give you the 97 top 10 movies. Uh-huh. Titanic. Yeah. Men in Black. Lost World Jurassic Park. Yeah. Liar Liar is four, which what? like, wow. Like uh, Air Force One, as good as it gets. And then here's what's below as good as it gets. Good Will Hunting. The That's spe- below. Yeah. Uh, my best friend's wedding tomorrow never dies. Face off. Whoa. Uh, Batman and Robin. It Con Air. Be Batman. Be Bond. Hercules. It was a thing. I yeah. remember it was a thing. I remember yeah. my parents loved that movie and Everyone's told me to go see it. They it loved a movie that the first scene is someone throwing a dog down a garbage chute. Uh-huh. And then there's like a good five minutes of homophobic abuse. That movie filled top to bottom with slurs. <laughs> Perhaps one of the ultimate movies that is a reflection of societal changes from 1997 to yes. 2018. Yes, yes that's true. I was true. about this on the way here too. It's, there's, a, there's a phrase that I don't know if it's been coined, uh, okay. but I would like to coin it. Sure. It's, it's, uh, one of, it's a real benchmark in the but I like her genre of movies. Where a woman very politely, rightfully, and justifiably refuses a man's advances, and then a lot of the movie is the guy going, but I like you, <laughs> until she caves. Say Anything maybe being the number one. Obviously, yeah. Say Anything's a huge one. Yeah. Say Anything's one of my favorite movies, and I actually haven't watched it in years because people have told me that the modern look is concerning. We, we did a couple we, years ago for we the talked podcast. About he it. definitely looked. The best way to watch that movie is be like, ooh, that kid's got some growing up to do. You know? Right. Like the you, graduate. Because oh, yeah. King, because I like her. Well, right. the graduate is insane. I actually rewatched that recently. It's insane. He is awful to her. It's, it's a stalker. Yeah. Like he right, and he, he fucks like, her mom. <laughs> yeah, this he is fucks true. her mom. And he doesn't fuck her once. He fucks her for like months. Fucks her a couple, and times. then like ruins her wedding. <laughs> yeah. and, yes. yeah. and harasses her. Right. Like when she's forty and he is never allowed to be in her life, she's gonna be like, God, that was a weird three years. You know, when he fucked my mom, then broke up my wedding, and then made me date him for a while. Yeah. And then that's a relationship. <laughs> yes, take a bus. <laughs> take a bus. That's a relationship where, when they were in it, there were people who said to her, "Like, blink twice if you need help," <laughs> and she did. Yeah, she if she eventually blinked twice. The problem is, I think the "but I like her" uh, genre. Great job coining that. I think, unfortunately, almost every romantic comedy falls under that. A lot you know? of romantic comedies with not a lot of plot fall under that. Yes, yes. And this is one of those. But it's because you know what it is. It's it's. But th- in this movie, he's a monster. But it, and obviously, it also is. I'm gonna smack you down. And yeah. I mean, I actually think Groundhog- wear, wear you out until. Right. But look at Groundhog Day, another one. But in a way that I think actually is more commendable. This is a guy who basically goes from I'm gonna try to use this situation I'm in. Yeah. To trick Andy McDowell, basically, I mean, yes, uh, sort right, of, almost. Right. Uh, I will yeah, by figure modern, out her whole life so I can just like by modern her definition, into, he's yeah. almost using this weird time travel you 
loop to rape. And you watch him do that a number of times. He does it with the blonde woman right. at the restaurant. Yeah, he does it with Andy McDowell. Right. But but it doesn't fucking work. It and, always blows up. And then yeah. by the end, right. he does legitimately realize, I need to become a guy right. yeah. who's a much better person, who's much better at jazz piano. Right, much better. It's so much better at yeah. jazz piano than he had been. Have you seen the trailer? There's some new Netflix movie with Adam Devine. Yes. Where it's Groundhog Day, but like with a friend zoned guy. It's with, and there's some, is there some time travel? It's sort of right. like about time. There was but, the right. night, the one, ma- a magic night they had together where he didn't have the courage to kiss her. And now seven years later, he's friend zoned. She's getting married. And somehow he finds a time portal where he keeps on resetting to the night. Ooh. To okay. try and find and a way to make it, it work. It, it looks sweaty. I'll yeah. say that. <laughs> but I think that genre as it gets, of like, yeah. As good as it gets, I think one of the problems I have is I don't know. It's Melvin, right? Yes. Brace yes. yourself for Melvin. Melvin. Was, it the was the tagline, the tagline yes. is brace yourself for Melvin. <laughs> yep. Accurate tagline. Yep. Melvin, Something has survived. I would ar- I don't know that I buy Melvin's growth. No. As oh. much as I buy Phil Connor's growth. Interesting. Well, we'll talk about Melvin, it. Melvin makes some big steps. He he does take some big steps. Uh, although uh, he, I'm on the fence well, because I, I have a big take. There. I'm on the fence because there's a part of me that feels like Melvin kind of wins a little more than I think. Beginning of the movie, Melvin wins a little more than I would like. But I do like that this movie promotes the idea that the mentally ill deserve love. I do like that. So this movie's take on mental illness and yeah. obsessive compulsive disorder. I'm not an expert, but I don't know how like thought through it is. Right. Like it's a lot of times it's just sort of an excuse for like Jack Nicholson's an asshole. Right. I feel like Nicholson worked a lot on the asshole aspects of the character. Like how do I make this engaging? Which Nicholson's one of those guys where like the audience is always with him. Even if they hate him, you're like willing to follow him. So it's like Jack. It's 90s Jack. It's the one actor who could have pulled this off. But I feel like his depiction of obsessive compulsive disorder is kind of like what you would do if someone pimped you into that in improv scene. We're like, I had no time to prepare this. Fuck, I'm going to go way too big with this. What do I do? I just touch shit and throw out four bars of soap. Yeah, Like, it hot, feels hot, v- hot, very... Although, I'm yeah. sure there is. But then there is also the thing of, you know, there are, being someone who notoriously has mental illness, you do at times, you can use it as an excuse to just be an asshole. Yeah, yeah. So there's sure. also something... Which this guy of, does. Well, that's, maybe yeah, it's the most well-researched I mean, yeah. movie ever. So right. I had seen this movie ages and ages ago, and, and then I rewatched it on vacation because it was on Hulu, and uh-huh. we were just like, fuck, we need a movie yeah, to watch. Yeah, a Hulu movie night. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. And I was like, as good as it gets. All right. Like, I put it on, and I, 10 minutes in, after a dog got put in a garbage can, and uh, Greg Kinnear like, got berated for five minutes about, right. like, being a quote-unquote fudge packer. You're describing the first 72 seconds of the movie. I was like, wait, wait, I forgot about this. I knew he was a jerk, but, like, yeah. this is so brutal. And then yeah. 10 minutes in comes that scene where he makes the remark to Helen Hunt about her son, and the movie literally just stops. And she just stops the whole movie and she's like, you can't do that. This cannot sustain two hours and, and 20 minutes. Jack. It's such a frightening and amazing scene. Yeah. And you're, and I was just like, wait, is this like an amazing, perfect, like not like a weird, like staggering movie that I've just forgotten about? And I was, then I came back to you and I was like, we got to do James L. Brooks. I definitely think this is a movie that, that works 
in spite of itself. Like it's somehow sure. adds. Which I like this. I'll go on record. I like it. I, I, oh, I really like this. I movie. really like this movie. This is a movie that works. I like this movie that works. I don't know if I'm allowed to. It's one of those things where it's like I saw it in 1997. Yeah, right. I am in older. Right. Is this is the fact that I'm like I like this movie reflective maybe of the fact that I'm hitting in one of those ages where I'm like things were different in my but day. You watched it recently, and I know I because everyone loved this movie when it came out. Yeah, I have definitely heard people be like, I rewatched it. That shit doesn't hold up, and people who like swore by it in '97. Well, I have two big questions. They're wrong. I have two performance questions in this. Sure. One of which I think might actually bring this podcast to its fucking knees, so maybe I should hold back. <laughs> but well, that is one question. Quite a tease. Had, that is one question that I had was is being growing up, being born in 1980, mm. northern New Jersey. Sure. Yeah. In an era where homophobia, like the treatment of gay people in both society and pop culture. Mm extraordinarily different yes extremely different right from my perspective to give you some perspective this is a year before the the tv show will and grace debuts i would which say which is a, a game-changing moment in cultural depiction of and, homosexuality and, and not that it is notoriously a, yeah. so I'm, exactly. I'm sure yeah. many american studies majors have sure. written articles about will and grace in college yeah. right like yeah from my perspective and i don't know your guys perspective being younger than me and seeing it post-release, I felt like Greg Kinnear's character and the way that people turn and treat it was one of the first things I ever saw that like was a, a gay character treated non-cartoonishly. A three-dimensional gay character I, on I screen, even think, though it's sort of a proto-version yes. of maybe like better takes on this. But I like, also yes. think Kinnear's performance is pretty phenomenal in that regard because yeah. I can think of very few examples of straight actors playing gay characters from this time period right. who are not aren't like, so grossly over the top. And right. all this stuff where, I'll say this, there are some times where he talks about his dad and the soulful eyes of Greg Kinnear. Greg Kinnear is crazy good in this He's movie. He's the best performance the in the movie. The soulful eyes of right. Greg Kinnear. No. The yeah. soulful eyes of Greg Kinnear tug at your heartstrings in a way that I can tell you, for a lot of people who I grew up around, probably the first time they felt sympathy yeah. for a gay person. And, this is a guy who a year or two earlier was the talk soup guy. Like it's not he like was it was the talk soup. Guy. It's not like this is some character actor. Everyone's like, oh yeah, well Kinnear, he's good. You know, Kinnear has a couple crazy years because he's the talk soup guy for then, four years. Right, right. Then Sidney Pollock and people thought his pipeline was, oh, he's going to be a late night talk show host. That's yes, Mr. Jackson. Yes. Everyone he's thought on. he was going to be the next. Craig Kilborn, right? Or whatever. That's what they or thought. The, he was right. going to get the late late show, and or whatever. He probably could have been. Hundred percent. If you wanted to, hundred percent could have done that. That iteration of Talk Soup Two was can't miss television. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. He was killer. And the guy, fucking megawatt charm. Sure. Crazy uh, soulful eyes. Good looking guy. Great fucking patter. Like he's just got a good rhythm yeah. to his speak and everything. And then you're saying Pollock puts him in the Sabrina remake. Right. Sidney yes. Pollock, Academy Award winner, plucks him to star in a remake of Sabrina, one of the most adored romantic comedies of all time. Here you are with Harrison Ford, and you're the co-male lead in this movie. And everyone went, the fucking talk soup guy. What are you talking about? You know? Yeah. This, yeah. It was like, it's, it's like if fucking, you know, Christopher Nolan casts like a YouTuber to star in like his next movie. You know, it was he like. He did cast Harry Styles. He did. It's, but it's almost like that where it's like, what, that guy shouldn't be. You're a serious filmmaker. Sure. And that movie's a disappointment. Um, well, yes, and then there's also Dear God, a Gary Marshall movie. Right. Let's not forget. Which at that, that which point. Which is also a disappointment. I think that yeah. was like a stacked Sure. Vehicle where they were like, oh, Sabrina's going to be huge. We got to get a Kinnear vehicle in the can. Right, for the next year. Yeah. That's why I feel like one of the, to me, and I'm sure you guys have your own talking points, but to me, as I was on my way here today, one of the questions in my head on the subway 
as good as it gets. Is it peak Kinnear? I I think so. I think it has to be because this is the this is the fulcrum point. It I'm, was right. like, and I'm sorry to bring that up so early. No, no we got to talk about it. There's the sigh you let out. No, but we you're right because it's literally Kinnear's career starts in like '91 with Talk Soup, right? right. This is '97. There's been 20 more years, and I think it's all a downward slide. He's in Mystery Men, him. right? Oh, he's so good in Mystery Men. He's Man. very funny in Mystery Men. Captain Man. Amazing? Uh, Captain Amazing. What happened to Kinnear? Okay. He got pigeonholed as the other guy, as that, the jerk. That's the thing. They thought he was going to be the leading man. Then James L. Brooks gives him this fucking great role. He gets as an Oscar the nomination. The other guy gets an Oscar nom. People go, okay, we accept it. Kinnear, serious actor. Not the talk soup guy anymore. Serious actor. He can sit at the table. But then you go, what are the next couple of years? Well, his next movie is You've Got Mail. He plays the Baxter in that. He's the bad guy. Mm-hmm. He's uh, the dude you got to get out of the way so you can get hanksed. Then Mystery Men. He plays pretty much the Baxter in that as well. He's the fucking dumb hero. You got to get out of then the way. Nurse Betty. He gets his head, his scalp cut off because mm-hmm. uh, he's, he's real Baxter in that. He's a real dickhead. Uh, the Gift. Loser. Loser, he plays creepy college professor yeah. sleeping with Mina Savari. Jason so, Biggs wants to date the girl of his own age, so, and she's sleeping with some 40-year-old dude. Someone like you in 2001, he's another, that's another other man. Like, yeah. Ashley Judd goes from him to Hugh Jackman. He's playing a lot of assholes, weirdly, for a guy who's that charming, and, and then, he's always the other guy, the dilemma. And then in 2002, he makes Autofocus, which everyone's oh. like, oh, here's an Oscar Oscar movie yeah. about a guy who would film porn in his apartment and was also on Hogan's heroes was on a nazi sick <laughs> I and wonder, that's just that this is making me wonder and then stuck on you in 03 with matt damon has anyone's is kinnear in the running of uh of people whose agents have done him wrong probably but i also wonder if kinnear is like he's poorly got, managed careers this is why you need a manager i, I think kinnear so he's got likes that, playing assholes he might i think he's got that bill pullman look too where he just is sort of like somewhat generically handsome without yeah. enough like to distinguish himself. I don't I, know. I, still, I mean, I like I mean, him. Anytime he pops up, I get so excited. You anytime he pops up in a trailer, I go, I'm seeing that. You know what he, <laughs> you know what he was great in? What? Brigsby Bear last year. Really liked that. him in that. Um, uh, really good performance. But I'll say he's a guy who I think has become even more interesting as a character actor since he's gotten a little older because he kind of had that Ken doll face. He was yeah, like a, a little, little too perfect looking. Yeah. In a way that isn't even really sexual. It's just like, that's a well-designed face. Like, yeah. that looks like an emoji. That's a mid, that's a Midwestern American right. face. And you get yeah. some crevices in there, and the guy starts to have a little more weight to him. Like, certainly that's the best-looking kid in an Iowa town who yeah. moves to California and makes it. Right. Yeah, 100%. So, he, I don't know where he's from. Maybe he's from Iowa. Greg Kinnear? Yeah. yeah. Let's find out. I want to look at some recent Kinnear. Uh, he is from Indiana. I mean, yeah. I... He is the son Nailed. You really did. He is the son of a career diplomat. Oh, of course he is. Edward Kinnear. Of course that's his name. And Suzanne. uh, Edward and Suzanne Kinnear of the Indiana Kinnears. Grew up in Logansport, Indiana. Logansport. He He is. He went to the University of Arizona. This guy, how was this guy not like a, he could have been. He could have been a leading man. Can he I, could have been. Can I go I, through? There's, there's, a, there's a world. Can I, I go through some recent slept on Kinnear performances? He married a model in 1999. Didn't still together? Still together. They Who have three kids. Really? Uh, her name's Helen Labden. I mean, that's lovely. Sure. Helen Labden. <laughs> if, I, if I can just run down a couple slept on Kinnears. I like the way Chris just said Helen Labden. She looks like a nice lady. I don't know. The, the weirdest, she looks like an ex-model. We're know. forgetting the single worst career decision from Kinnear. 
which is Flash of Genius, the movie about the invention of the windshield wiper. Of course, wiper. which is like, what? it's like the joke Oscar movie where it's like what? they literally made a movie about the guy who invented the window wiper. What if we could wipe the windshield <laughs> and it's two hours long but and no Isn't it a movie about he, how he got like screwed out of the invention or something? Isn't yes. that what the story right. is? Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, he is crazy good. Crazy fucking good. In the Nicholas Sparks written Miley Cyrus starring The Last Song. Never saw it. He plays her father dying of cancer, who she sent to stay with for the summer. Interesting. Now she's got to live on a farm. That's the one with Liam it. Hemsworth? Yeah. That, tr- that sort or of sparked beach. their relationship? Yes. Yeah. What's uh, the most recent Kinnear? The most recent Kinnear? Kinnear? Is Kinnear still cranking him up? Be Bear. Big yeah. announcement recently. It will be less recent by the time this episode comes oh, out. Oh, right. He's on House of Cards. In the wake of Kevin Spacey, he is the new guy they're adding to sort of... That's, I don't know if that... Uh. Not recasting, <laughs> but but uh, we need a new heavy hitter. Chris is not happy about well, that. Well, that's like happy. Robert Patrick replacing Duchovny on the X-Files, right? Sure. Sure, except is it ever- Duchovny isn't a criminal. No, and of yeah. course people will be more justified right. that Kevin Spacey needs to go. Yeah. But... Uh, but other than that, I mean, he did that movie, same kind of different as me, which yep. is like he's been doing a lot of uh, he does a lot of faith dramas. Movies. Yeah, it's weird because it, one he thing also had that show Rake a few right? years ago. Remember that where it was him with steak the, on the his steak face? on his face? Oh, steak only face. you two remember Rake. <laughs> you remember only you two remember the steak Rake, face? Rake, the movie about a guy with a steak <laughs> on his face. No, you're the only two people I've ever heard mention this. <laughs> crazy, crazy Kinnear oh, credit boy. I just found in the Anita Hill biopic. <laughs> Sure. Uh, the right. Kerry Washington HBO Anita Hill by yes. right. Greg Kinnear played the role of Joe Biden. Oh yeah, really? of course. Yes, he yes, probably he did. crushed that. It's yeah. so funny he to me to realize. An Oscar nominee. I mean, so, an Emmy nominee. It's crazy to me to realize we're diving so hard into this because it makes me realize I don't think there's too many people out there who don't like Greg Kinnear. Everyone sure, he's likable. I don't want to spoil this, but we had a guest on for an episode that hasn't come out yet, who cited Greg Kinnear as her number one crush. What? Really? This is uh, for an episode that's gets. coming, like in the future. I'll just blow oh it. no, I yeah. remember. Okay, yeah. then as I won't good blow as it, it. gets, yeah, yeah, yeah. representing the untapped potential. So that's my ultimate Greg guy, Greg Kinnear. He just seems I like a it. nice man. He does, in almost like and a Stephen Colbert like way. Yeah, yeah, sure. And just sure. like a pro, just a dude who's like a steady hand. Like I was going through that filmography, and it's like, doesn't matter what he's in, he's fucking delivering prime cut. And I mean. Think about, I certainly think, in the 90s, right? You're a straight actor. They go, hey, big deal. Right. James L. Brooks wants you for a movie. Right. Uh You have to play gay. And at that time, that was viewed as, like, toxic. Yeah. If you play a gay man in a Hollywood film, that might kill your career, right? That was, like, the level of homophobia within the industry. Don't even think about coming out of the closet. But if you're straight and you play gay, the audiences might turn on you. They might think you're gay. Right. Sure. That was, like, the, the insane thinking. And most actors who did do it would go so big, so swishy. Or they would be written as cartoons. Yes. Right. But, but the actors would also, I think, lather that on even thicker because it's like, I got to make this so different from myself because I'm so not gay that this has to be a total transformation. Greg Kinnear just kind of plays this role like Greg Kinnear. Yeah. This is one of the few times I think— He's styled, you know, he's got like the open shirts. But and I'm the talking sort of- about— his performance. I'm talking about his acting, his choices. When you go just to his face. Yeah. The things he, the things only he has a say in. Is the king of the close up on the face. Yeah. This movie has so many close ups on four faces Nicholson, Hunt, Kinnear, and that dog. That dog. (laughs) And early on in the movie, right at the start, where Kinnear rings on his doorbell again, uh, and, uh, 
Nicholson opens the door and delivers like two minutes of invective at this man. And Kinnear's like, yeah, it's not a subtle point you're making. His eyes are like yeah. shimmering. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. looks, you're immediately, again, yeah. it's this movie that like stops your heart like with all this. They're like infinity well, pools of feeling. It's that's like, the he's an asshole, but it wants you to feel like what an asshole he is. Like how much it hurts the people around right. him. Right. Rather than just like, oh, he's an asshole. You and know. it's such a New York way in such oh a New York God. way where it's like, that's the motherfucker down the hall. Yes. Speaking of that doorbells. That is such a New York yeah. thing. Ding dong. Oh, get the, uh, get the door, Griff. Oh, God, why is it so dark in here? You have sunglasses on. Oh, right. <laughs> he's not taking them off. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know who he's applauding. Sitting in the front row. That's You're what I do. Standing. Oh, it's yeah. you again. It's me. Jack Nicholson. I, I love you on screen, but I really hate you as an interrupter. Ready to rob another man's rhubarb. <laughs> You say that every time, and I don't know what that means. Gotta be honest, I'm having some troubles. Uh, what's going on, Jack? My dick won't stay up. So you're saying that you're having some sexual performances. Yeah, and that's my main jam, baby. Let me stop you right there. That's actually more common than you might think. In fact, 25% of ED cases are guys under 40. Oh, well, I am well over 40. I wasn't going to say anything about your age, but... But I'm sticking it well under 40, if you know what I'm saying. I'm going to decide not to. Yeah, you ever sex with the devil in the pale moonlight? Um, it's a riff on Batman. Yeah. Ben, what do you think of this? 40% of men by <laughs> age 40 struggle from not being able to get and maintain an erection. It e happens, okay? Even the world's greatest actor yeah. can't fake one. Yeah. So why do you guys who are struggling with this stuff Turn to weird solutions or don't do anything about it when you could just turn to medicine and science. Medicine science? Jack, I got to be honest with you. It might help you out. Well, you know, I thought my, my limp penis was as good as it gets, but now I'm realizing there might be something better. I, great stuff. Okay. All right. So <laughs> here's the thing. Jack, you got to check out forhims.com. That's okay. right. It's a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness, all for men. So thanks to science, ED can be optional. They, they're going to connect you with real doctors at HIMSS. They're going to give you medical-grade solutions to treat ED. You're going to get generic, well-known equivalents to name-brand prescriptions to help you combat ED. There's no snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements. That's great, because I, I got a lot of sexing to do. I, one ED pill starting with a V just came off of patent on December 11th. That's a game-changer. Hey, look, this is, you see my to-do list here? Um, I'm looking at it. You just drew a erect penis. Right. And then look at page two. It's going inside. Uh, okay. Oh okay. All, right. All right. Put that one down. You know please. what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. We well, have there's children in this uh office. Yeah, sure. Uh so <laughs> Uh, here's here's another great thing about for hims is there's no waiting room. Right? Yeah, you don't no, have to go to doctor have a weird. I don't got time. I'm making picture after picture. You don't have to wait in line. Yeah, yeah. you seem real busy. Uh, it's really easy. You just answer a few quick questions. You chat with your doctor for a confidential review. Uh, the products go right to your door. And like you know, as much as you are an old rich old guy in a bathtub, that's not the only person who suffers from ED. And like. You know, you're it's saying okay it could if happen you to young it. hip guys, and there's no shame. Exactly. But I'm saying that Jack is going to be back sitting courtside at a Lakers game, Dick Akimbo. And this is how you can do it. Try Hims for a month today for just five dollars. We're going to get you started, and for just five bucks, while supplies last, you can see the website for full details. It would cost you hundreds if you went to a doctor or a pharmacy, but if you go to forhims.com/blank. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash blank. 
forhims.com slash blank. So leave my URL blank. I knew you were going to say that, Jack. No, Jackie, listen to me. You go to forhims.com slash blank. You're going to try it for a month for just five bucks. Ah, Jack is back, baby. Get out of here. <laughs> sorry, carry on, Chris. Sorry, sorry for that interruption. I have a question that yeah. I think could be a real bomb that's being dropped. Okay, is this a thing that's going to bring us to our knees? I think it could. Okay. I don't okay. know if it will because you guys okay. are very good at what you do and very <laughs> adept at handling curveballs. You sure. try. But something really revealing just happened to what you said, David. Sure. That leads into the question. You mentioned so many great performances. Kinnear, Hunt, Nicholson, the dog. Right. You left out someone who I have a question. I have a question that we're all going to have to pause and yeah, I can think about. Yeah, it's a big question. I think I know what your question is. Is this... The other good Cuba Gooding Jr. performance. <laughs> is, now, now, is there any competition? I'm trying to think. Boys in the Hood. Uh, yeah, he's good in Boys in the yeah. Hood, actually. Jerry Maguire. Obviously, I mean, yes. you got Jerry Maguire. Yeah. Snow Dogs. No, let's not. Let's not. Because the fact that Ben I jumped mean, in on that. <laughs> a universally reviled and mocked downfall of maybe unprecedented proportions. I mean, he won the Oscar for Boys in the Hood, right? For Jeremy Maguire. For, 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 for Jeremy Maguire. Yeah. Oscar winner. Yeah, so, Oscar winner. And when this movie comes out, that's the next year. So he's an Oscar winner. I, my guess is he might have filmed this before yeah, he won the Oscar. This is one of those interesting phenomenons, I think, of. Because it's a, not a big part. First you know. movie to come out after the actor wins the Oscar a role they probably wouldn't have taken if they had won the Oscar before. Like, I think... Right, right. Post-Oscar, he would have gone like, I'm fucking Cuba Gooding Jr. I'm first build or nothing. I would say between Boys in the Hood and Jerry Maguire, this guy is like... Like, he's supposed to be what Will Smith... Felt like he was the wound dude. Up. Felt he like felt he was like the he dude. was the yeah. dude. As, yeah. as far as, you know... An I mean, in, yeah. For as sure. far an industry that tokenizes people and means that there's only going to be a handful of people from each demographic yeah. if you're not a white guy. Oh, man. And I just, I'm sorry. I just saw his next three years after this. And, like, they put him in starring roles, you know, because he had Instinct Chill with uh, Anthony Hopkins. He had Chill Factor. Chill Factor. Uh, which was an action movie with Skeet Ulrich of it, As Good As It Gets. One of those ice cream truck-based thrillers. <laughs> <laughs> that was Speed, but it has to be cold, right? <laughs> the Speed, but the bomb needs to be cold. Know this chill one. Factor. It's him and Skeet Ulrich. <laughs> Gotta keep it chill. Plays the, the uh, scum bum model who mm-hmm. beats Greg Kinnear. Yes, he's in this oh. movie. They clearly just hit it off so hard at the craft service table on as good as it gets that they said we got to find a vehicle for the two of us and it's they got a bomb if the bomb isn't cold it will explode i think they're in the jungle i think they're in some sort of tropical location so they've hijacked an ice cream truck and they gotta (laughs) drive it to some place where it can be oh i I, I don't know it's gotta remain below 50 degrees fahrenheit i have not seen it I, this is what I remember about Chill Factor vividly. You know those trailers where it's a comedy, but they want to make you think it's like a serious movie at first until they cut to the reveal of like Chris Tucker on the other end of the phone? Yes. Chill Factor is one of the only trailers I've seen that pulls that off successfully. Ooh. Where the first, the misdirect in the first 20 seconds of the trailer is so boring that you're like, this isn't a comedy they've re-edited to look like a thriller. And then you get to... Cuba and Skidoric hamming it up. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then Men of Honor in 2000, which is like an oscar movie about the first black naval diver and like Robert De Niro plays his like yeah, racist Theron. captain. Right. Uh, another movie that does not exist. Though. And that definitely doesn't exist. And then yeah. Pearl Harbor in 2001, you know, where again, he's playing a real life military hero, but that movie obviously didn't, uh, yeah. you know. And then he's, when does radio come out? That's 2003. And that's, and uh, is that the same year as Snow Dogs? Uh, Snow Dogs is 02. 
Yeah. So you got Snow Pearl Harbor and Rat Race in 2001. Let's go for is He's going big in that one. And then uh, Snow Dogs Boat Trip. Uh, when is Boat Trip? 2002. Oh, wow. And then in 2003, wow. you've got The Fighting Temptations, the launching of Beyonce's uh, acting career. Well, she'd already done Goldmember. Oh, you're right. That's the year before. Who right. hated him? And then radio. <laughs> I mean, radio's rough. Someone, <laughs> someone on his team, one of his own agents, like, Took out a fucking nail gun. Whose wife did Cuba Jr. sleep with? That's like, the question. Someone pushed him into a coffin right. and then took a nail gun to it. Whose car did oh Cuba Gooding Jr. dent? Think that, about that. Yeah. Boat trip radio snow dogs all within 18 months? That's like you know, crazy. In Norbit, he plays, no! he plays yeah. the Greg Kinnear. Like he plays yes. the other boyfriend that yes. Tandy Newton has to leave. He plays the Baxter in you know, Norbit. And, Norbit. And, and then by the Wait, time. Norbit was, was that Eddie Murphy? And, yeah. Eddie Murphy, and Eddie Murphy and Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy plays. Murphy. Right. That was like a nutty professor. Yes. He plays Norbit. Right. He plays Respucia, a... Norbit's uh, gigantic villainous wife. gigantic wife. And, and he, he plays the the Chinese owner of a Chinese, a Chinese restaurant man. who adopted Norbit. As a Chinese man. <laughs> I, I've seen Norbit. Uh, and then, but then, you know, then a couple of years ago, he's OJ in the OJ show. Which I thought he was very good And in. he's good in that. And yeah. you're like, oh, right, yeah. Cuba. Not oh, a right. literal depiction. I like that he didn't even try to impersonate him. Oh, Obviously, physically doesn't match year? him. That was last year. Two right? years now. Two, Two years, years ago. I mean, yeah. it's, it's 2018 now. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. good in that. But it felt like, okay, here's a second wind. He's going to capitalize on it. What, what, I mean, what, what's it? I have a, can I? So the, I think I want to get back to Chris's question before he yeah. raises and another then, question. I, I, yeah, because I have a very tangential question. That oh, okay, I, well, what's your tangential question? For you two in particular. Here's something, because as someone who enjoys you guys. Yeah. Thank you. And here, I mean, the, the fact that you have, because I should just note for anyone listening, David has a computer and yeah. you're getting the dates with that. Yeah. But Griffin has no computer, no phone. Yeah. And, and, and your details of movies, like you're getting the factual information, mm-hmm. the logistical information on that computer. But very clearly, there are times where like chill factor comes up and you're looking away from the screen. And you guys just know things about chill factor. We're kind of sort of context. Yeah. What is the worst movie you have each seen in the theater that you've paid to see? Book, you, Book you, of Henry. Oh, oh, but I didn't pay. I paid to see Captain Underpants, and then after Captain Underpants ended, snuck into Book of Henry. That, that doesn't count. That doesn't count? That doesn't count. What's the worst movie you've paid full ticket price to see? Good question, right? That's, That's a, a good great question. question. Can I think on it? Yeah. Can, can, I, can, I, can, I, can I Do you have an answer? Over? I know mine, yes. What's yours? Martin Lawrence, Black Knight. <laughs> Never saw that one. He goes back in time. He is at a medieval times like <laughs> restaurant. About that. Falls into the moat and wakes up in a real medieval environment. <laughs> and he's black, so that's weird. They're all like, "What? Do you know? Do you know why you're a great comedian?" No, because you didn't say Black Knight. You said Martin Lawrence Black Knight, as if his name above the title is an important. You gotta, I mean, you gotta remember. You have to remember what that's, makes you a great comedian. That's what that drew you. A guy that had a sitcom that people loved, I think, yeah. rightfully, and then after, I think, and also went insane. Yes, and this movie has to be rooted in the insanity part of his brain. Uh, speaking of insanity, breaking news over the wires. Um, guess who's in talks to play the Joker? In Todd Phillips's standalone Joker wow. movie, topical ties right into okay. the Jack Nicholson. And this episode comes out in June, yeah. so this is April. So Todd Phillips, 
Todd Phillips. Yeah, Todd Phillips it, is making a, a Joker, Joker movie. movie. Okay, yes. can, we, can we actually guess? Because yes. listeners we will know we can at guess. this point. No, we can guess. We can so guess. they're abandoning Jared Leto already. Uh, possibly. Right now, they're saying they're going to do two different Jokers, and this yeah. is going to take place in its own universe. Come on, DC. Agreed. And of this course, this is why <laughs> they're, they're so I'm on record many times over. DC Comics is the fucking wackest it shit. <laughs> it's so whack. Get it together. <laughs> you famously have led the charge to have Washington DC be renamed Washington Marvel. Yeah, come on, it's our capital. It's and. Stain on our nation that that's named after DC Comics. Um, this is an Oscar nominated actor. Not win. Three time Oscar nominee, I'm Maybe pretty not. sure. Maybe even four. Give me the age range. With no win. Four time nominee with no win. Uh, how old is he? I, I mean, my guess is he's in his 40s. He's in his 40s. Yeah, early 40s. Wow. Um, Bradley Cooper? No. Is it someone who's. Uh, Nominated. Only three time, only three time nominated. More for like supporting stuff, or 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 is he a leading man or a character actor? He What's used he to be a character for? actor. Now he's a leading man. This feels like a question you should definitely yeah, already know the answer to. He's someone you might think of for a role like this. Background in comedy or not? No, no. He's a very serious actor. He's a very serious. actor. Sometimes I think he's a little too serious about being an actor. You know, about his performance. Like why so serious? <laughs> Five comedy points. Five comedy points. Is is he like is he like a very like look at me methody actor? I think he is a bit. Sometimes I refer to this man. It's Joaquin Phoenix. Yes, there's a slice of ham between two pieces of bread. You say he's a ham sandwich. I do. I could see him being a decent Joker. Can you? How do you feel about this? Like I, I walk the walk. I'm down for guacamole at any point in time. You you do you like him? I like him a lot. I'll say. I really appreciated his performance in Gladiator. He's good in that. A movie oh, that I saw when I was 18. Great and it was movie. built for an 18-year-old boy. Yeah, I think he's great in Gladiator. I think he's great. You know I what? love him in I'm Still Here. When he makes fun of Ben Stiller to his face. I, I've never seen I'm Still Here. <laughs> it's so funny. What a Ben movie. I Scumbum love that movie. movie. It's so great. Ben, you need to write a book about like Ben's famous favorite scumbum movies where you're like leaning on the cover you know what I mean <laughs> and you're like wearing a wool cap <laughs> like yeah uh, right yeah also I don't I don't know if I think that's a good choice oh for the Joker yeah oh Joaquin Phoenix in 8mm by the way really good performance that a movie is a that I saw I in a bad in, movie I, well do I, I like that movie I like that movie too hells yeah I snuck into that movie I, here's what I'll say about that movie I don't know if I like that movie I saw another movie that I forget what it was, but it was bad, and sure. I left and snuck into Eight Millimeter, having researched zero yeah. percent what it was, and all of a sudden I'm watching a snuff film movie. Correct. But I'll say Directed I don't know if that's Joel a great. I'll say I don't know if that's a great movie, and maybe this is something that they stole. You guys can tell me. But the technique of being in a house looking for someone you know is a fucking dangerous psychopath, and there's a vinyl record playing, and it runs out, and then you hear the needle get reset from another room. Is that's a terrifying, chilling moment. I wonder if there's an earlier mm. example of that. what a what a pretty brilliant, yeah. scary way to say, no, yeah, I'm in the house with you, motherfucker, and I'm not even scared that you're here. I'll let you know that I'm here. I once saw an I once read an that's interview. Good. I mean, it's good storytelling. It I is. once read yeah. an interview with Julia Roberts and James Gandolfini when they made The Mexican, and uh-huh. they were just they were just chatting, and the guy asked like, "What's the worst movie you guys ever did? Like, what's a movie you guys regret?" And Julia Roberts said, "Flatliners," and uh. Um, James Gandolfini said 8mm and then Julia Roberts said oh, we both said Joel Schumacher movies I feel so bad like it was it was a very candid moment wow yeah uh, I think uh, we've talked about him a lot yeah alright as good as it gets do you think Cuba Gooding Jr. is good in the movie 
Big performance. It's big. It's big. He's doing a lot of stuff. He's coming in real hot. I knew this one was going to be divisive. He's coming in real hot. And he's I, really coming in I hot. I don't know where I land on it. I will admit, I started watching this movie, right? There's he, uh, Nicholson fucking with the dog, throwing it down the chute. Yeah. Kinnear confrontation. And and then he Nicholson starts saying some incredibly racist stuff after, like, here's right. another First thing. First he ladles on two minutes of homophobic bullying. Right. Then Cuba Gooding Jr. is in town. And, and the thing with and this movie. And he says the thick molasses line. Yeah. And this movie is really trying to have its cake and eat it too because it definitely makes Chris. it clear that this guy's an asshole and yes. we're, we're supposed to think he's an asshole. But also they could have just had him gone, you know, slur, slur, slur. Instead, he's throwing out zingers. Like sure. ideally, James L. Brooks wants the audience to be like laughing and going like, oh my God, I can't believe he said that. I think. Oh, I don't think Not so. relating to him, but it's like, Oh, good, I, good I, joke construction. I, I feel like that's the needle they're trying to thread, which makes it a little uncomfortable. No, I think that would that would be true if you weren't then cutting to their reaction so powerful. Which I think is the same grace of the movie. Okay. Because there is something you said for James L. Brooks is good enough at what he does to capture that idea of he is kind of like your fucked up uncle. Right. Sure. That like right. you love him. He's got a couple speedballs. And like you and your cousins and your siblings, when he's out of the room, you're like, oh, that was Oof. pretty crazy what yeah. he said, but kind of hilarious. Right. Like, But the other thing about Melvin, I think that you sort of quickly realize is like this. It's not like he, Melvin is uh, someone who subscribes to any belief system. He just needs people to not be near him. So he yeah. is he radiates. He's like toxicity. a guard dog. It's like he barks if people are yes. like within his range. Like he and, and of course early on Cuba Gooding Jr. grabs him and he's like, no touching, no touching right. and like freaks out. Yeah. But but like, you know, Nicholson is you know, this just like electric dude, right? Like Nicholson owns any scene, any frame he's in. Sure. Even when he's understated, he just has this like live wire energy. And then when Cuba comes out to confront him, Cuba, like, kind of acts him off the screen for a minute or two. Sure. Not just, in, I'm not saying in terms of, like... And also imp- Nicholson needs to be sort of in- shrinking empirical from Empirical acting quality. This is when he's getting in his face. Right. This was a moment where I think Cuba's greatest strength was he had more energy than any other actor alive. Like, and he when wasn't Cuba afraid getting, to be big. He wasn't afraid to be big. And, like, Jerry Maguire, that's, like, a lot of fucking energy. I'm not saying that in a bad way at all, obviously, with Jerry Maguire. And but, great in that. Right. So good. Unbelievable. But with this, it's like, he's just coming in so fucking hot. And we're in a movie that's already, like, walking on real thin ice yeah. in a lot of ways. And Kinnear, I think, is so sensitive. That's what it is to me. Because Kinnear, can, he's so good at playing such, like, a sensitive shrinking violet. Yeah. And Cuba can't—Cuba, he's good in it, but it's an early sign that he's not versatile. No. He's, he's got one he's, mode. That's, that's exactly it. Yeah. And then, you know, when he does OJ all those years later, you're like, has he been versatile and he just never bothered to be? Because you're right. For 10 plus years, your boat trips. Yeah. Your snow dogs. But is he versatile or did someone just very smartly say, I think Cuba Gooding can do this OJ thing? I think it was that. Because it's if not we, like that OJ went in too many different directions. In so much of that show, he was just like, I don't fucking get what people don't get about yes. this. I, and I'm the center of the world. And this, and that's the they thing. threw it in his lap and it's good. I think the OJ thing is kind of like Mickey Rourke in The Wrestler. Where, right. like, that character fits his own narrative. He's in that slot. Where, like, he still can't get over the fact that people don't love him as much as they did in 1997. Yeah. Like, I was Cuba Gooding Jr. I was top of the world. Yeah. And, like, that's how he feels. He feels like O.J. Simpson in a prison cell now. What was it? Boat trip, snow dogs, and radio? Yeah. Back to back to yeah, back? Yeah, that's three yeah. years. Like, 01, 02, 03. That is, I mean. Yeah, it's brutal. This is, his career is like a boxing match. <laughs> where he comes out in the first round and knocks his opponent down three <laughs> right. times and is like, Jitterbugging over him, 
and then the guy comes back. I just sustain and then it's a body twelve round fight where he walks away with CTE by the end, and his whole life changes. Like his liver dissolves in by round eight. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so this is a movie with a lot of plot, or no, it's a long movie. Actually, saying it has a lot of plot is weird because actually it doesn't have a lot of plot. Like it's not like a lot happens in the movie. Yeah. It's just about three people who sort of come together. I think the Amazon uh, Prime description was uh, a touching story between three unlikely characters. I mean, Helen Hunt in an interview said this was not intended as a romantic comedy, but as the, we were making the movie, we were like, I think this is a romantic comedy. Interesting. And then when they filmed the final scene, James L. Brooks was like, try kissing her. Like, you know, and they were like, all right, let's try that. Like, they were not, it's, this really? was not explicitly planned as like, it's a movie about these two people. So it was maybe just supposed to be a bunch of like oddballs. And it was yeah. going to come to them being like, you saved my kid and we have this understanding and we can be friends now. Exactly. It was the about yeah. them changing. I, I almost would have liked I, that better. That it, I do think the, the, the romance is the biggest, the toughest sell of this movie. Yeah. Like, yes. And I also think they can have the same effect on each other without it having to become a sexual thing. Yeah. Like, I prefer reading the you make me want to be a better man speech without any sexual charge, literally just you are an aspirational figure to me. No, but that's what I think is the point of the movie. Yes. She is turned on or attracted, turned on is too strong, yeah. by the idea that he wants to change for her because right. that's such a crazy thing to think of. I also think, I would say that line, as we bring it up, is one of the great like three-point shot swish Dialogue it is. Lines. It is. It's it's, what, that's Brooks, it is. right? Well, that, that being like my experience too. Again, just my age, seeing it in the theater. Like this was, I didn't know who James. L, I'd never heard of James L. Brooks. So you'd never seen broadcast news or terms of endearment. No, but these I, movies. I mean, you'd watch the Simpsons. Just like the Simpsons. Right, his sure. name. He was a name on the screen for the Simpsons. Of to course. Me. And then I watched this and was like, "Whoa, holy shit! Who is this right. guy?" Right. In a way, I maybe only had that experience. Like. As far as like realizing that movies are made by people and the people can make choices and that define it and they have their own styles. Yes. It was Brooks and Cameron Crowe sure. are the only two people that I And Cameron Crowe was like his protege. Brooks was yes. the guy who got Say Brooks Anything produced made. Jerry Maguire and Say Anything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but they have a very similar tone and sort of like touch and mix of, of uh, emotions and all and of that. And I wonder, I don't know what Brooks is really, Cameron Crowe worships at the feet of Billy Wilder. Of yes. Who when I got older, I'm smart enough to look up old movies from him. Another one who has that similar versatility. I, I feel like can go in every direction. Yeah. Yes. But you, I mean, you know, Brooks, massive sitcom guy. Moves to movies at a time when that was not really viewed as possible. Wins three Oscars in one night. For makes his debut movie. Huge success in terms of endearment. Right. Then broadcast news, which we argue is even better. Right. And then doesn't make a movie for like seven years. Well, right. Five creates years. The Simpsons. No, seven years. You're right. Yeah. yeah. And then makes I'll Do Anything, which is like a disaster. So this is definitely his movies. This movie, he has to get his groove back. Yeah. Like he's trying to avoid a... Cuba Gooding 2002-2003 run. Yeah. And this script wasn't originated by him, which every other movie he's right. done. This oh, is someone else's script that, that he Even adapts. if it's an adaptation. But he punched up this dialogue. A lot. Oh, I yeah. think he did it's all his. Yeah. Totally right. You make right. me yeah. want to be a better man yeah. is yeah. like a distilled 
core statement of right. all movies. And it'd be yeah. one thing if he said that 20 minutes in, but James L. Brooks is like, that's 90 minutes in. Yeah. And it's going to take, he, there's going to be flim flam with the, yeah. he needs to get a jacket. There's going to be a conversation yeah. about lobster for a while. Yeah. Like, Take yeah. the breath out of the theater. Yes. But, but I think they went, you know, there's a script kicking around Sony. He needs to make another movie quickly because he's got to get his mojo back, right? He doesn't have time to incubate a script for another eight years. And they go, look, here's this thing. It's kind of interesting idea. We've never been able to crack it. Uh, a gay painter, uh, misanthropic OCD novelist, and single mother just trying to skate by with a chronically ill kid. Sure. And he kind of takes that and, and redoes the whole thing. Right. And also, Guts he, it. you know, right. he'd work with Nicholson on Terms of Endearment. He wins an Oscar. Right. Nicholson also pops up in broadcast news. Mm-hmm. So, but maybe he's like, I'd love to give him a lead role. Like, a I want to do a real vehicle. Nicholson movie. Right. right. And this is where Nicholson is, he's already, I guess he's still making like maybe a movie a year, right? Well, that's I'm surprised I didn't see this movie in theaters. A, you love Jack? This, I, this is the same year as Mars Attacks. And I was she's, she's all in. fucking about Mars Attacks in both Jack Nicholson performances. Blows the roof off. Yeah. I, mean, I was into that. I was into fucking adult dramedies. Like as a ten year old, I was like, I this, love a nice soft adult drama. Of course, of course, right. a nine year old. I cannot believe me, I didn't see this movie. I theater. knew Jack just as the Joker. Right. Sure. To me, well, that was an the other exact yeah. kid of my age. Yeah. I was nine when Batman came out. Yeah. Killed it. Mm-hmm. And I, I was old enough to remember the dialogue that people were like, "Wow, this is one of our great serious actors. What's he doing?" In playing a the Joker, sure. right? And then he killed the Joker. He did. Yeah. Great performance. Yeah. For I mean, my he rubbed another man's rhubarb. Yeah. This town needs an enema. Um. This is the last movie he makes before he becomes Once in a Wild Jack. Yes. Because the next movie he makes is The Pledge, which is four years later. Wow. 2001. And then Anger Management's like two years. And then you got right. About Schmidt, Anger Management, Something's Gotta Give, about which are Schmidt. all in, so all in two years. Yeah. And then The Departed, and then The Bucket List, and then How Do You Know? Like, that's it. A, you know, crazy, he just, a crazy set I was surprised by looking at the Wikipedia page for this movie. This is his second highest grossing film Ever only behind Batman. Is that true? This movie is a fucking huge hit. This movie was huge. We're going to talk about that. Don't you worry. Like this was like, okay, let's just make a solid like late period Jack Nicholson comedy. And then people went bananas for it. Yeah. I mean, they did. And this is kind of like in a certain way is like the, the sort of softest, cheeriest Jack Nicholson movie. Like it's a movie about an asshole. But Jack Nicholson, usually the movies he's in have a harder edge. Right. Yeah. And he's a little more lovable in them. Right. And this is kind of like flipping it where it's like, this is like a very nicely shot, like upbeat Hans Zimmer score movie with like shithole Jack Nicholson. Uh, right. Because the earlier movies like in the 90s, like Wolf, right. Hoffa. Right. Wolf. Blood Wolf. and Wine. The yeah. Animal is Out. That's was Wolf, did any of you guys see Wolf? I've never seen Wolf. I've never I remember being Wolf. so confused. My parents Wolf. went to see Wolf. Really? Like that was like because I was like seven, I think, when that came out. That was like some like dinner and a date movie. They, that, you know, that was had, part like, of that loose, unofficial '90s trilogy of monsters who fuck, which was Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, Bram yep. Stoker's Dracula, and yep. Wolf. Yep. Sexy. Did Mike Nichols direct anything after that? Yeah, because he made Closer. Yeah, oh, yeah. Charlie Wilson's okay. War. Yeah, he made a few movies. He did after that, that weird Gary Shandling movie. What planet are you from? Yeah, remember Gary Shandling's Alien sex which comedy? I, I believe Greg Kinnear is in. I would have there is in I that. almost had a chance to meet Mike Nichols and I didn't follow up on it. And then he died? Yeah. Oh man. He also made Primary Colors and The Birdcage. Oh, he made Jeez. a lot of good yeah. stuff yeah. after yeah. Wolf. So Wolf was just like a weird hiccup. 
yeah, yeah Wolf's just an odd pretty one. smooth career. Yeah. But I mean, like, on paper, not a bad idea. Nicholson and Pfeiffer, like, modern werewolf thing. That like, pitch was Wall definitely Street, just satire. Jack yeah. Nicholson plays a werewolf, and they went, here's $70 million. Yeah, that's exactly the budget. How that did you know that? That was the entire pitch. I got it, <laughs> When I was on Anchorman 2, uh-huh. very, very small role, True. only showed up in the special edition, Judd Apatow was on set, and I'd met Judd once before, okay. and we were talking. And he was very nice. And he mentioned that he had just met Mike Nichols. And I was like, oh, I've always wanted to meet him because out of all that early, because, you know, he was like one of the first improvisers. Yeah. Nichols and May. Nichols and May, Compass yeah. Players, yeah. Second City founder. I was like, I've always wanted to meet him and talk about improv because I always got the sense he was like the smartest of that first wave. And he's like, he loves talking about improv. He Shit. loves it. Shit. He's like, I sat down and talked oh. with him about directing and he kept bringing up improv. He's like, we should all three sit down because you could really get him going on that. And I was like, oh, yeah, but I didn't think Judd was serious. And now I know Judd much better Yeah, and realize, oh, he was totally serious. You could have taken him up on I could have sat with Mike Nichols and just talked about the earliest days of improv. That would have been amazing. Would have been such a and, geek And it sounds like he would have loved that conversation, Nick- like be able to just talk oh. Krav with someone. Griffin, you know? Nichols would be good. Nichols would be good. He's got a lot of movies. Motherfucker made Wolf. Motherfucker made Wolf. <laughs> Some people forget Motherfucker made Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> he regarded Henry podcasting yeah. Henry. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We're uh, still on the first five minutes of this movie. Eh, we're yeah. doing fine. Yeah. So Helen Hunt. <laughs> oh yeah. So you got Melvin, you got Greg Kinnear, and then you have Helen Hunt winning an Oscar as Carol Connolly. Right. She's a waitress. Becomes the first actor got a to sick kid. win the Emmy and the Oscar in the same year. That's right. Ooh. She's mad about you? riding hard on Mad About You. Right. Real brassy dame. Yeah. Light she, affectations of a New York accent. Yeah. Which I think she could have done without. I think no one else in this movie is doing any sort of New York accent. And it do, you don't go, that's weird that they don't all sound like truck drivers, you know? That uh-huh. they don't all sound like but teamsters. She's, uh-huh. I mean, in Brooks's conception of the movie, she's she's a, a Brooklyn girl. She's a Brooklyn and girl. Probably of a few not. generations. I mean, yeah. her mom's in the movie still, right? Yeah. Her mom's in the yeah. movie, played by Shirley Knight. And she's neighborhood great. Neighborhood people. And they yeah. live in Windsor Terrace. That is Windsor Terrace. Those are blocks I recognize. And they, you know, the last scene is in front of a bakery in Windsor Terrace. Old and you school can see, Irish neighborhood. Yeah, and you can see Terrace Bagels in the background, yeah. which is where I go buy my bagels. That's like old school Irish yes. fireman and cop it's neighborhood. It's the fireman right? neighborhood. Now, obviously, it's like Park Slope adjacent. So, But it's there's like, still that one bar full of townies that hate the hipsters, right? It is right? fucking scary. That's like, what I've heard. I've been in that like, bar and it's in scary. There. Like sometimes, because there's the hipster bar across the street. When it's full, you're like, well, why don't we just go? And like you walk in there and you're like, oh, no. What's I, this bar I don't belong called? here. Oh, you've never it's heard like, the legend of this Windsor Terrace old school? <laughs> so. It has a very bland name, so I'm trying to remember it. Uh, it's always there, like, mocking me. It's like, because Noah Foreman grew up in Windsor Terrace, uh-huh. and he says it's been there forever, and yeah. it's like the last stronghold of, like, old Irish working class well, firemen. There's also Jackie's Fifth Amendment on um, in Park Slope. That's, that's a, a great Avenue, name Which is one of the bar. best named bars ever. Yeah. Uh-huh. But that's Park Slope, you know, because Park Slope and is also an Irish neighborhood. Right, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. Anyway. I'll say something about Helen Hunt. Farrells. Farrells. Thank Farrells. you. Farrells. Thank you. Jesus. Woo. Um, yeah, Helen Hunt. Now, it's a little inappropriate. Uh-oh. I'm going to put it out there. Yeah. See if you guys finish the second half of this thought. I will remind you, I was a 17-year-old boy. Yeah. When I saw this movie I, I in the theater. I know where this is going. Yeah. Do you know the scene that I'm referencing? Yeah, the wet formative. That was formative. Formative scene. Yeah. yeah. As some, Because you got to remember, 1997, the internet was not. Sure. Right. You couldn't, you, sure. You had yes. to think on Video these was buffering. Right. Video was buffering. You would only hear rumors about 
I think that actress got naked in this movie. You know, in the right. same way you'd hear, like, I hear this movie has a scene where dude's head explodes. Yeah. Like, right. it would be, like, cool things you want to see in movies where, like, hearsay. The wet t-shirt scene was one of the prime me oh, growing Ben's up. nodding. Yeah. Ben's me nice. growing up scenes. I, yeah. see, well, also because she was on TV, too. Chris right. and I are somewhat close in age. Yeah. And this was very formative for me. Uh-huh. And I think this is sort of where I was like, wet is better. <laughs> Ben likes slick flicks. Uh-huh. He thinks all movies are better wet. Well, it's uh-huh. just like you could make a dry movie or you could, you could get a rain machine seen, and get that shit soaking. Have you ever seen Toxic Avenger 3? Uh, have not. When 50, uh, 50 naked Japanese girls run out of a uh, communal shower in a locker room? Wow. It's a Jersey picture, too. Yeah. Oh, another sure. formative. Another. My, yeah, uncle, yeah. my uncle had a copy of Toxic Avenger 3 and we watched it. And, uh, although the first time I saw a boob, National Lampoon's European Vacation. See that that's interesting. That's interesting. Interesting. Is it? I <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. No, but the hunt thing is what I'm turning over because like I have a I have a bit of a crush on Helen Hunt in this movie now. I do too. Yeah. Now yeah. that I'm watching it, 100. I love that scene where the guy is putting the moves on her and he grabs the boob and gets the throw up. You know, early yeah. on. Yeah. And she just gives him a sort of like, you know, like she shrugs and she, she's a strong mom. She's, she's fucking a strong hot woman. when she does stuff like I, that. I also, and then later yeah. at the end, when Kinnear is like, "I can paint again," she was like, "Ha! One night with me." Like I, I that that just gets me. A, a thing about her in this movie that antithetically almost makes her more attractive to me, but also is why I think this performance works. I love this performance. She seems really tired in this movie. She's yeah. tired. A, a lot of she's times when it's out. like the put upon single mother, you're like. No, you look like you're dealing with this too okay. Helen Hunt, you feel the weight in every shot of this When movie. Nicholson early on is like, what's with the dark circles? Like, yeah. She's like, what are you fucking tell? Look at my life. Yeah, exactly. Come on. Now, this character is supposed to be in her 40s. Uh-huh. Hunt, when she plays it, she's in her mid-30s. Interesting. But I feel like she's playing it like she's in her early 40s. Yeah, and I think she sells it. Um, the plot is that he goes to this restaurant every day and she's this waitress. It's part of his... <laughs> His routine. He has strict he routine. Needs to, he's got to tap dance around the cracks. Sure. He has to throw the dog in the garbage. Uh, <laughs> there are things he has to do every day. A, what I love about that thing where it's like he needs to throw the dog in the garbage. We don't know why the dog pisses him off. No. It's the first thing we That's, learn about uh, the opening shot is that he's had enough of this dog. Picking up the dog so he can throw it in the garbage. It's also like it's pretty audacious of Brooks to be like. I'm literally going to do the opposite of save the cat in the first <laughs> right. shot of my movie. Kill the, Kill dog. the dog. Yeah. This they dog say that, save the cat. I'm going to throw out the dog. This dog that literally just looks like a muffin with yeah. two eyes on it. Like that's the dog. The dog doesn't even have a shape where you're like, yeah. how does this dog's body work? The dog is definitely like, it's a new like pastry, like gimmick that people would line up around the block. Right. For. It's like a pound cake plus a croissant or something. Yeah. And, and people have to remember the marketing campaign for this movie. Cause I hadn't seen it when it came out. But I just remember everyone was fucking talking about the dog. The poster is smiling Jack, sunglasses, holding up the dog. And I just remember my grandma being like, Griff, you got to see this movie. This dog, you won't believe the things this dog does. The dog's the fourth lead of the movie. A hundred percent. It's a four-hander. You put him not just ahead of Cuba Gooding Jr., but did not mention Cuba Gooding Jr. (laughs) Nicholson Hunt, Kinnear, dog. 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 It's a four-hander. It's funny. As we talk about it, I feel like one thing I've never realized about this movie that this conversation is proving true to me. This is like a real New York movie. It is. But it doesn't wear it on its sleeve like some of the classic New York movies. But the idea of you got some asshole down the hall Mm -hmm. you got to deal with. 
you got you got your favorite restaurant and you see the waiter all the time, the waitress all the time, and you yeah. don't know anything about each other, but you know each other. Yes. That's such a New York thing too. I also, this movie, because uh, it feels, anything that's indoors feels very soundstagey in this movie. But the exteriors are all like real New York, as we were saying. Yeah, and downtown. Nicholson's building is like right around where I grew up. And so this movie activates a lot of weird nostalgia stuff for me for like storefronts of places that closed when I was like, in my teen years and stuff. Uh, it, it feels very New York. It, it truly does. While being a very like heightened kind of glossy movie. Yeah. Well, also it just those the, dynamics. The things like him leaving the restaurant and everyone applauding. Like yeah. he is playing a character that everyone in New York has at least tangentially seen. Yeah. Been on some a subway car Weird with some asshole. asshole. Right. Yeah. Like some guy where it's like, what's that guy's problem? Like, yeah. you know, it's, there's nothing more to like, it than that. We're all trying to get where we're going. <laughs> Shut up. We all want to eat bacon, like yeah. it's or yeah. whatever. We all want our breakfast. It's not, but it's not about you. He's got the weird look. Jack Nicholson designed the wardrobe for this character. No! Yes, I and let me tell you, well I hope done. He literally sewed it himself, Daniel Day Lewis style. Let me tell you what the trivia fact says. He wanted the character to have a downtown look. I mean, mission downtown. accomplished. Do you agree? Downtown. Do you mission agree no. that this is a downtown no. one? I would argue mission accomplished. <laughs> mission Griff. accomplished. Way in. Downtown, uptown. What are you thinking? Where does he live, do you think? He lives He lives in the West Village. Right, He li- right. exactly. Yes, yes. of course. Yes. We see where he lives. Right. right. Um, and where she lives in Windsor Terrace. And uh, uh, yeah. Um, what are you looking at, Griffin? Nothing. Griffin's got his phone out. I don't know what he's After doing. After I gave him props for no phone in it. Maybe learn something for later. Okay. Um, I I think he pulls off the downtown look because downtown <laughs> motherfuckers don't give a fuck. I say this as but the most notoriously chill person of all time. Downtown Griffey Nooms, never a worry. <laughs> the epitome of cool. But the, he, skating by on charm, fucking downtown cool. He's not like uh, this. He's not like evoking like a Warhol coolness. No. No, but the 90s, I'll or say this. CBGB's coolness. That's what you think. When I think downtown, I think right. like arts. I think Nicholson is thinking of like 60s downtown. I, yeah. like, I you think know. like coffee shop, like Cafe Wa. Exactly. This is what I'm going to exactly. argue. I'm going to argue that mid 90s West Village was very uncool. Mid 90s West Village, sure. Was yes. very uncool. That's like we're coming up on like Magnolia Bakery West Village. Right. 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 And it's a little past like 80s grit and grime West Village. Right. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think this was a kind of dorky period oh, okay. where this guy would fit. This was the dude I would see in my local library. And he literally lives on the block of my local library in this movie. Wow. I buy it. All right. Downtown Griffey Nooms himself. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> God. Oh, hey, what's up, buddy? No, I just, I keep on getting these Valentine's Day party invites. Okay. For some I mean, reason, all exciting. my friends keep on throwing Valentine's Day parties I've, well into the spring. I've thrown a few. Yeah, you throw one every weekend just to lord over me the fact that you have a girlfriend. All right, I'll admit it. I'm doing it to lord it over you. You got a romantic partner. Good for you. You found unconditional love. All right, let me guess. You've been trying some online dating and you've run into some lazy text messages or weird random matches that don't even turn into dates. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes, hypothetically, you finally get approved for an exclusive dating site for Famos and you find out it's not all it's cracked up to be. All right, well, I want to connect with the people. That's because most of those online dating services are just, like, you know, not very helpful. Yeah. They they don't know how to match people up. Nuh-uh. But 
What? Have you seen the success stories from eHarmony? Oh. Real people. Real people. Are finding real matches. Well, I mean, real people, not like Bruce and Lori, right? We never thought we'd meet someone online that was so compatible, and we're grateful that we were able to find each other. That's Lisa and Mark. What? Yeah. I mean, look, I heard about Bruce and Lori. Okay. okay. Here, I, I actually have their pictures right I don't here. brag, but I heard about them. Married June 18th, 2011. That's already coming up on seven years of good marriage, let alone the courtship leading up into that. My gosh. Look you know? at this. I'm, I'm actually just reading their story. They did the amazing race. Yeah. They their met. team name was Perfect Harmony. Yeah. Because of the site. They got married in Harmony, California. Yeah. I mean, they, they really are on brand here. All right. Well, good for them. I mean, obviously, eHarmony knows what they're doing. When there's love, it's just, when it's love, there's just no stopping it. That's Jason and Anna. They're singing the praises of eHarmony right now. There are plenty of hookup sites out there. That is not what they are. We're lousy with those. I don't need any more of them. eHarmony is the number one most trusted dating site or app based on a 2008 survey of 1,616 U.S. singles based on a survey. We're talking about the real stuff, real relationships, adult relationships. They use decades of science data and psychological research to send you the right matches. eHarmony, it brings compatible people together. They're like love doctors. Doctors of love. Doctors of love. I actually used eHarmony. Did you? What? Yeah. And uh, it's really a great experience comparatively to some of the other dating apps and services. I just get anxious on these other dating apps. Oh, you apps. mean because they don't like, they actually take steps to find you a more compatible match? Right. They have like a questionnaire and they have different. Uh, ways to kind of pair you up with right. people that you're actually going to have a genuine connection. Right, this is a gross hookup culture. You know, this is like you're finding love. That's what we're looking for. No, right? but this is for really, this is for serious, like, this is for right, people who are looking for meaningful relationships, not just to hook up with someone. This is not a hookup site. It's like a site that uses science and data and research to find you the right matches. Which, that's the thing. Like, I've been working in the lab trying to come up with a good formula Griffin, it's to meet somebody. The bathroom is not a lab. I call it the lab because it's where I do my serious work. <laughs> well, right now, Blank Check listeners can get a free month of eHarmony when they sign up for a three-month subscription if they enter code CHECK at checkout. Okay, so you check to make sure that your marital status is single. No, and no. Then- Stop waiting and start your journey to a satisfying, meaningful relationship. It can be fun to play around with the online dating apps, but when you're ready to fall in love with someone, you have a meaningful and have a meaningful relationship. There's one app that's built to bring you real love, eHarmony. Come see how eHarmony can change your life. Go to eHarmony.com and get started. Yeah, I mean, I'm ready for that because I'm looking to have a summer wedding. Enter the code CHECK at checkout. Okay, cool. Oh, there's Lisa and Mark. Handsome. Oh, yeah. Handsome couple. He proposed to her on a mountain. Wow. On a mountaintop. Valentine's Day, 2010. All right. Well, anyway, they're new friends of the show, and uh, we're excited to have them. I feel like maybe I should ask eHarmony out. It feels like. Let me take your shot. Yeah. Shoot your shot. Yeah. All so right. We're on minute 20 of as good as We're going to wrap this up yeah. soon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, but what happens really quickly is uh, Greg Kinnear's doing, doing okay in his life. This is the other thing. The opening of this movie is Melvin's a dick for ten minutes. Sure, he meets the way you meet the waitress. Right. Sure, uh, Greg Kinnear is beaten half to death by a gang of street prostitutes. Yes, 
who, including Jamie Kennedy, including Jamie Kennedy, the cruelest exing of all. <laughs> he gets also so joke. fucking hard. He's a in this portrait movie. painter. Like yeah. that's what yeah. he's doing. That is definitely not a thing that was happening in the nineties. Da- downtown. <laughs> let me listen, tell you about no, downtown. downtown. Brooks is missing. Like he did in what was the other movie though? Oh, the the chef uh, profession. Spanish, sure. Um, where it's just like it, it. This is not a good portrayal of a painter. Okay, this me, is a bad portrayal. He of, just wants the guy to walk around life. until he no, looks they like don't a painting. Dress that way, <laughs> they do not live that way. Come on, can I tell you? What the West Village was like in the middle. Oh man, there's more downtown <laughs> download. Floral short sleeve shirt music on leather duster, tiptoe around cracks, painting portraits. That's what everyone Let me was ask doing. You seriously though, yeah. I think that was well past the era where you could be a portrait painter and afford to live in the Agreed, West 100%. Village. Agreed, 100%. Makes no sense. It's well, sure. In an apartment with a greenhouse. It is, yeah. it is science fiction. Yeah. yeah. It is science You're a fiction. Portrait Especially painter? because the movie acknowledges how expensive the apartment is by creating the conflict of he can no longer afford it. And it's like, bitch, you couldn't afford that to begin with. Yeah. Like, maybe he's a conceptual artist. Okay. Sure. Then he can <laughs> afford that apartment. You know, right? Maybe he's like a, a piss Jesus type. <laughs> then it makes sense to me. There could have been yeah. more Giuliani in this movie. That would have been fun. Like you know, he's fighting Giuliani. But in, in a certain some way, way, Giuliani is the fifth character of this film. Oh, you yeah? know, I mean, it, he looms large over the proceedings. <laughs> this is the New York he was just cleaning up in the era yeah, I came out. That's that's that's. I, when I heard yeah. we were talking about as good as it gets, I wondered who was going to be the first one to bring up piss Jesus. <laughs> Believe it was Piss Christ was the technical name. <laughs> that was a big. Was he the same what if guy? That was the scene where he's like, "All right, Skeet, I'll pee in this jar." I did <laughs> they put a crucifix in there. The scene where he draws her, though, yeah, is beautiful. It's a wonderful. Yeah, scene. and I'll say this more so than Titanic this same year, where they want you to be like oh. aghast with Jack's drawings. Sure, these drawings are actually impressive. They're by a real artist, uh, yeah. Billy Sullivan, a New York artist. Maybe he was a downtown artist. Well. I don't think so. Do you think? Here's the thing I'm realizing too. Do you think the success of this movie, The Explosion, is that in a year where it was like Titanic? Titanic, Men in Black, all of a sudden, here's this like a movie for Grana. thoughtful character piece. Yeah. yeah, and I just think that this movie would just, like you said, it would just be a TV show now. Right. Like it just like, that just wouldn't, there's no space for it anymore. Right, that's like, Terms of Endearment was the second highest grossing film of its year behind Empire Strikes Back. Is that right? Uh, yes, that's right. Right. No, uh, Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi, sorry. 84? Right, 83. Like, 83. Humongous. 83. Plays mm-hmm. That's fuck. you're serious? It's 83? Yeah. yeah. That's fucking son of a bitch. What? I'm so sorry. It's, 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 you got in a fight about this? No, I did bar trivia, and you had to. There was a question where it was about you had to do the math, and the early reference point was if you take the year Return of the Jedi came out and then subtract it, blah, blah, blah. They were every three years. It was 77, 80, 83. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. 77, 80, 83. Yeah. And then they said it was 80. Uh, they had the year wrong. They're no, liars. Not, yeah. Bunch of Crooks liars. and liars. But so, right. The inciting incident in this movie, half hour in, is that. Greg Kinnear is savagely beaten right. by a very attractive bunch of uh, street prostitutes yeah, he gets who are robbing his home of the 14 crystal sculpture that's, that he owns. He does have a lot of crystal sculptures. Right. Which which I do feel like is, um, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. I, I like that the movie very casually sets up without having to explain it like, this guy's a target because of homophobia. Like, these are desperate kids living on the skids, Right. right. They want to rob him, but I get the sense they would not have beaten him were he straight. Well, and there's even the sure, implications they're, they're yelling shit at him like he's like fucking the Jim, pervert. There's like right. the Jim yeah. Carroll. Right. 
basketball diaries. Like, yes. I'll let you jerk me off in Grand Central Station, and then if you look me in the eye, I'll punch you in the face. Right, right. That, that kind of that thing. New York. That's the that's, Skeet that's, Ulrich character. I feel like that is a very real, more 70s, 80s right. thing. But, but the um, movie doesn't make a big meal out of it being a hate crime because it's just like, that's the world Kinnear expects to live in. Like, he hates that he was beaten, sure. but he doesn't expect anyone to show him any respect. But because of this, yes. Melvin has to take his dog. He's got to take that dog. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is, I guess, what James L. Brooks has decided is the emotional core of his movie. Is that Bacon for the in first, the pocket, walking that dog. First time in his life, Melvin understands what it is to love a thing, a, a, anything. One could say it becomes as good as it gets for him. I mean, the scene where he walks into the shrink's office is great. Uh, I love that scene anywhere where the shrink is yeah. like, okay, Melvin, like, you know, and then just the idea of him walking into the waiting room and saying, what is if? what if this is as good as it gets? That's another, James L. Brooks must've just thought about it. like how, how better to ruin eight people's day <laughs> yeah. than yeah. just put that in their minds and walk out. What if this is as good as it gets? Um, a thing that is, very interesting about this movie to me is like six directors who are not usually actors all appear in this film. Uh, okay, give me give me him because uh, I mean you have Harold Ramis as the doctor who's the, so good, so in good a one scene performance, just right. just nails it. Uh, you have um, uh, who's the other one? Uh, uh, Lawrence Kasdan. Lawrence Kasdan as the shrink screenwriter of Empire Strikes Back, Raiders of the Lost oh, wow. Ark plays the shrink. With the new, the new goatee. I also regrew my beard, and uh, you don't seem to care about that, Melvin. Shane Black plays the manager of the cafe. Ooh. Oh, I didn't know that. Director of Iron out. Man 3, who mm-hmm. later cut me from his film. Was he nice? He was very nice. That's good. Yeah. I love that movie. Brett Ratner plays Helen Hunt's son. <laughs> uh, there's another big one. Oh, Todd Solondz is the guy on the bus. Todd Solondz is the guy on the bus? Yeah, there's the scene on the bus. What is it? I think it's Helen Hunt on the bus. And the kid, her kid is chasing her. Yeah, and he's like, she's like leaning over and kind uh. of getting in the guy's face. And it's welcome to the dollhouse director, Todd Solondz, just sitting there awkwardly. That's there are awesome. a lot of directors in this movie. Clearly, he just was like, I want to have some buddies on set. The guy who plays, the, the kid who plays the kid is called Jesse James, which is weird. Didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just uh, saying. Did you also notice Maya Rudolph playing a cop yes, for one second? Maya Rudolph's in this movie really? for a second. Yeah. Yes, she's one of the cops cleaning up was after. She, on, uh, she was already on SNL. No, 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 this is 97. This was like a lot of people's when first she Missy like, Pyle before she's like. Missy like when she was one of the waitresses. Yeah. Yes. Said when Maya Rudolph was just like a back, back up in the yeah. rentals. Yeah. Do you know that? She was in that Weezer spinoff. Thing? Yes, yes. This is, she had also been a nurse on Chicago Hope for five episodes, but this is her first film role. Wow. She doesn't get SNL till 2000. Maya Rudolph, who knew? Road so, trip. They go on a road trip. I love a road, a road trip. trip you love a road trip. I love a road trip. But movie. like, what's the plot? Yeah, he gives the dog bacon and then the dog leaves and he cries. Yeah. <laughs> and he realizes what it is to have a connection to something. But also Helen Hunt has stopped working because well, that's, right. the, the, kid, the kid's sick. Kid's too sick. Sick kid. So he sends the doctor to cure her entire life. Go, goes to the publisher and says, I can't write my book unless you hire a doctor. No, your husband. We also, we also oh, right, ha- right, aren't yeah. mentioning that he paradoxically writes romance novels. Right. right. That he's and a mean son of a bitch How do you no write women so well? Do you know, I mean, classic do you know what this line. line is? I take away all reason and I think accountability. Of a man and take away yeah. reason and accountability. Do you yeah. know who said that? That's a real line from a real author. John Updike said that. Oh, really? Yep. James L. Brooks thought that was funny oh, that he boy. said that. Did he? Wait, was Up? I don't know much about Updike. Was Updike dead, or did James L. Brooks have to go get permission? He's still very alive. Yeah, I think he's just trolling him. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty 
Brutal troll. Good troll. Because if you want to get angry that James L. Brooks stole your line, you then have to take credit for that awful The most thing. misogynistic, <laughs> right. ridiculous it's scene. It's like, I mean, he's pretty much calling up Dyke's bluff. I, that scene where the doctor is there to, and it's like, it's such, and even now it's so resonant where it's like, oh, just the idea of like normal health care is enough to change this she whole woman's like life. starts like crying, yeah. right. And Remus was like just where like he gives such him the business card where he's like, yeah. oh, my home number's on there. Right. And yeah. it's like he just like can, spoke in like Cthulhu language. Yeah. Working class broad who's doing it on her own all Living of a sudden get, mom. gets to cut through all the red tape yeah. and yeah. bureaucracy and bullshit and phone calls. There's that great question he asked where it's like, have you ever had a test when he wasn't sick? Right. Like you've only gotten him tested when he's already in the emergency room because there's a problem. Right. Have you ever tested him in like a normal state? And it's like, no. Can't afford. No, that. we didn't think that was possible. Yeah, uh, but and, also, and we should yeah. point out a pretty funny. Melvin does this ostensibly because she's his favorite waitress, and he wants his life to stay exactly the disrupts the yes. order. He and can't the new have entirely comes selfish. In and so he, he spends, out. He spends yeah. presumably thousands and thousands of dollars so that right. she can still serve him yeah. breakfast food. His insane breakfast food order, which is like. Daniel Day Lewis and Phantom Fred level. Yeah. yeah. He like wants pancakes, bacon, sausage, yeah. coffee with cream. What else is he want? Welsh rarebit with a sunny side egg. <laughs> um, and then they go on a road trip because Greg Kinnear is out of money. So he needs to ask his parents for money. And and he weirdly like still has no respect for Greg Kinnear, but loves the dog so much that he can't lose Greg Kinnear in but the he building. he has a little respect for him because there's this scene where that they're calling really the good. dog to each other. Yeah. And Nicholson, Melvin actually wants the dog to go to Kinnear. He yeah. likes that it goes to him, but he does want it to go to Kinnear. That's the scene where he visits. Kinnear's uh, uh, post-beating makeup is very odd in this film, especially the trajectory of it. Because the first time they go to the hospital when he's like... When Yardley Smith, mirror, Lisa, Lisa, Smith Simpson herself, Lisa Simpson herself, Ooh. is crying. Uh, She's the one with the mirror. Uh-huh. He, he does Lisa Simpson. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah. I know you're Lisa okay, Smith. Sorry, sorry. Three yeah. o'clock high, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, She's in right. three o'clock high, right? But I think Brooks just likes to have Am a Simpson. Am I thinking Simpson. the right one? Or yeah. no, oh, was she? Because he had no, Kavner, no, no. you know. Legend of Billie Jean. Let's check. Which, which classic 80s movie am I thinking? Like the underground, it, was it three o'clock high? I think it's three o'clock. I think it was Legend of Billie Jean That's she was in. I want or you was to, she in both? She I want you to tell me how old Yardley Smith is. Yardley Smith. Who has been doing The Simpsons for 20 plus years. I'm say 50, the movie you're thinking of is three o'clock high. You're she correct. wasn't three o'clock high, yes. but was she also, also maximum in, overdrive? Was she not in the Legend of Billy? She Jones? is in the Legend of Billy. Wow, yep. she ran the tape on the eighties. Uh, I would guess Yardley Smith is, is sixty-five. Sixty-five. What are you guessing? Fifty-seven. Fifty-three years old. I she's originally young. said fifty-five. And she's a young woman. Yeah, she's got like, a whole life ahead of her. And she's, she's been playing Lisa for twenty-four years. How longer, long has the show been longer, on the air? Twenty-eight. Yeah. How many generations of her family don't need to work because oh of the God. Simpsons? It, it, Six un, until like yeah, there's war, <laughs> right? Yeah. That wipes out all humanity. <laughs> Think about fucking right. James until the American economy falls. <laughs> And maybe she even yeah, already has right, it invested. until someone's just like, wait, we give out residuals now. <laughs> like, you know, someone finally 200 years from now. Think about how much money James L. Fucking Brooks has. Wait, James let's L. go through James the L. F. Brooks. What Taxi. Mary cheers, Tyler right? Moore. Uh, it wasn't no, cheers. cheers. That cheers. was the Charles. But then Lou Grant Rhoda, the Mary Tyler Moore spinoff. Yep. There's another big one I'm forgetting. Uh, um, I don't know. So already uh, he's like Phyllis, set for life. Uh, and then the Taxi. And then the Tracy Ullman, obviously. Yeah. Uh, that's it. Taxi Maritime were the two. Yeah, <laughs> the critic. It stinks. It, I mean, and it didn't. So they go on a road trip. Yes, I'm just finishing us. He up has here. lovely leather gloves, and he has a bunch has of so many weirdly of labeled CDs for different 
Yes. Uh, situations? Yeah, different emotional moods. Yeah. Uh, he also has a weird sports car. Yeah. Uh, I, I really like the touch that even when they're not driving, like when he goes into the restaurant, he's still wearing the leather glove. Mm-hmm. Like yes. being that outside has, of his comfort routine. Has yeah. to wear the random uh, random jacket at the restaurant. Right. Yes. Doesn't right. He? Hates it. And then deal. has to go next door. He goes next door, with that, buys, goes next door to buy clothes. But doesn't want to step into the store. Right. Um, okay, one other weird also, aside okay, sure. along the line of uh, how many director cameos there are in this do you notice the scene where he goes into the uh, restaurant and he starts doing some real anti-semitic heat just to round out the trilogy yeah of, to Lisa uh, Edelstein and Pete Jacobson both two from cast House. members from House I know <laughs> 15 years before House I know it's weird it's weird it's a funny it's a funny moment playing two Jewish targets I know well Brooks yep. he, I guess he just wanted to get that in there yeah. too yeah. But no, I also just like that when Kinnear and Hunt meet, they're like, isn't this fucking well, guy like, weird? Yeah. <laughs> like they, They're immediately friends because they're just like, what is it How with this How much nicer guy? to be in a movie with someone who's chill? What about the letter scene, though? We need to talk about that for a second, don't we? There's that scene. Which letter scene? Where she reads the letter oh. to him thanking him. Well, that's isn't that the wet t-shirt scene? No, that's before that's her coming and saying i'm not gonna sleep with you yeah she flips out runs in the rain to let him know i will never sleep with you which i don't think is something that's occurred to him until that moment his reaction to that is so funny too where he's like wait we don't open for the no sex uh pledges until nine in the morning or (laughs) something it's a good line jack you are my number one guy but I feel like that isn't that the moment where he has I'm sorry, the I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> it's a Batman you ever dance with the devil and the I can't do him never rub another man's rhubarb <laughs> that's still my favorite one the letter scene is nice too because I think that letter is written very accurately from the sense of like this is a waitress who grew up in Brooklyn. This yeah. is right. not somebody who did great in school. Yeah. Right. This is not someone who knows automatically how to express these, these feelings. Your and fancy book learning, your big $10 words. And, but also is reading it Downtown to a words. professional, very successful novelist who yes. can yes. fake it so well yeah. that his personality never shows up. Like, right, right. It's a pretty who good, subtle touch. Is so, his personality is so mercenary that he can yeah. just make all of these emotions, pluck them out of the air. Yeah. Um, but the, when she says, I want to have sex with you, is when he's like, I guess finally, like, oh, I am as Greg Kinnear puts it, a horror of a human being. Yeah. Like, like no matter how kindly I behave. And that's what Kinnear does so well. There's that, I mean, it's like fucking planes, trains, and automobiles. That moment where you as the audience, even though Steve Martin's clearly a dick, are like, yeah, but fucking John Candy, this guy is a nuisance. I'm with him. Right. 30 minutes in. Like, early in the movie, they do the I like me, my friends like me, my wife likes me speech, where you realize, like, oh, fuck. And you got to live in that moment. Like, this is a real guy with feelings. Kinnear just keeps on fucking keeping that dial in place. Because that scene where, like, uh, Nicholson comes in and is just delivering body blows. And it's like, I went to fucking Urban Dictionary. Here are, like, six more, like, gross (laughs) names I'm going to call you. And then just, like, one Kinnear close-up is just like, nah, this fucking sucks. Yeah. And Nicholson, like, can't keep doing it. Like, he loves throwing out those, those killer zings. Yeah. But not Planes, Trains, and Automobiles the weirdest ending of any movie ever? Very weird ending. Yeah. Yeah. Or Easy Rider, maybe. Easy Rider's got a weird Easy ending, Rider, but it's I going it's for weird. Not. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this movie has a weird ending. Uh, yes. But, but first, there is that painting scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the emotional breakthrough Kinnear needed, not forgiveness from his parents. Right. Well, the, right. So that's the idea. But then Hunt and Nicholson go out for dinner. The lobster dinner scene. Right. Yeah. And Hunt has been complaining about the fact that she doesn't have any time for her social life. Right. Uh, which, that's that's pretty much like her Oscar scene, right? 
Oh, are you kidding me? She has like 50 Oscar scenes yeah. in this movie. Um, I feel like you're too down on Hunt. Like she deserved the Oscar. I see. I I'm not down on this performance, but I can't believe that either of them won. Uh, the last movie where the actress and actor won best actor, like yeah. together from the same. Who movie. else was up? Who else was up that year against her? Oh, let's talk. About I wonder that. if that's part of your bit- bitterness. If you subtly remember who else was know. there. That's what I'm trying to think because this was definitely the first year I was like very engaged with the Oscars. Helena Bonham Carter, Wings of the Dove, no chance. Julie Christie in Afterglow. She has two Oscars. Yeah, never seen that movie. Good movie. Uh, Judy Dench and Mrs. Brown. Which most people think should have won, right? That's a ridiculous opinion. And Kate Winslet in Titanic, who is young. Yeah, I mean, that's not a a very loaded year. Yeah. Yeah, She kind of walks away with it. She does. And like, yeah, yeah, Judy Dench should have won for Mrs. Brown. It becomes like a weird Oscar opinion, which is like, no, she shouldn't But that's why she gets the fucking (laughs) Shakespeare in love makeup. That's called Harvey Weinstein. That's called Good Campaigning by a monster. uh, Some other things are called Harvey Weinstein now. I don't think that's the first thing that comes to mind. (laughs) Here's who Nicholson beats. Okay. Robert Duvall in The Apostle. Good performance, but he has Oscar. Bob DeVal. Peter Fonda, Easy Rider's Own, and Yuli's Gold. It was a very good performance. (laughs) But not going to win. Dustin Hoffman in Wag the Dog. That's not going to win. He has two Oscars. Yeah. Matt Damon in Good Will Hunting. I would have given it to him. No. I would have given it to Damon. Oh, I think he's he's bad in that movie. Really? Yeah. I don't don't like the performance at all. Uh, I love Matt Damon, but. I remember Jack Nicholson's performance a lot more. Yeah. Ben? How do you like them apples? <laughs> I love that line, and I love apples. <laughs> Diplomatic answer from yeah, Ben Hosley. Okay. Uh, so Nicholson wins there. Weird. So those were not big acting yet. No, because Titanic is sort of just running the town, and right. then L.A. Confidential is the critic hit of the movie of the year. Right. But that's not a movie with like lead performances. Right. You know, there are three men in it. Right. Who they are all split it. Yeah. I was just on a plane. Long flight. Tenterhooks. Twenty-four hours of flying with the transfer. Watched many movies. Uh-huh. L.A. Confidential was very clearly the best option. Mm-hmm. Never seen it. Didn't watch it. <laughs> Didn't Chris. want people to walk by and see me supporting Kevin Spacey on a plane. Oh, yeah. He's in that one. Like, do I really want to watch a Kevin Spacey movie right now? <sighs> I feel that way. I can't watch K-Pax in public anymore. <laughs> your typical lunch movie. Yeah. You I, set up your iPad. Throw on K-Pax. <laughs> with your poke bowl. <laughs> have a poke. Not anymore. You know what movie I did watch for the first time on the plane that I can't believe, knowing me and my personality, I cannot believe I've never seen this movie before 2018. Yeah. The fucking, uh, the one with the cutters and the bike race. The cutters and the bike race? The gang called the cutters (laughs) in Bloomington, Indiana, and they have to go up against the frat guys in the bike race. You guys know what I'm talking about. Cutters. All their dads are stonecutters oh, and townies. Away. Breaking, breaking away. away. I've never seen that movie. Oh, it's built for me. That's yeah. a great movie. That's it's like built a, for me. That's, you know, Greg Kinnear could have been in that. Indiana's own. Breaking away. <laughs> yeah. Weird Dennis Quaid performance. Yeah. Dennis right. Quaid is like a low-rent white trash dude. Yeah, that's a scrappy movie. It's a movie about scrappers. That's, yeah, I watched that and The Outsiders back-to-back yeah. on planes. I wanted to just drive directly to my neighborhood in North Jersey when I got off the plane. <laughs> Get in a fight. Yeah. <laughs> so... So yeah, well, the so at the, the restaurant. Oh, you want to do the restaurant? Okay, well, yeah. Just because that's no, the sure, big, sure. that's the big scene. Well, that's the I want. You make me want to be a better man. Right, right, right. Where he keeps. She on. wants a compliment. But the bigger move there is the fact that for the first time he realizes that maybe he should not say everything he wants to say. It's not even once. He just right. says every thought that goes through his head. Right. But he says that he makes that line about her dress. Yeah, it's the house frock line or whatever right. it is. Yeah. And she 
is tells him directly. She's like, why, like, why do you do this? Right. Uh, and and you need to compliment me right now. Right. And he makes the whole speech about the pills. You make me want to be a better man. And then she like leaps onto him. Right. She's into that. It's a good line. Right. I mean, she just got a good James L. Brooks line. Right. And she goes like, look, I'll be honest. When you came into the restaurant, I thought you were kind of handsome, sort of Jack Nicholson type. Yeah. You know, one of those things where it's like, huh, 20 minutes of thinking about this. You actually are handsome. Yeah. You know, even though you look like Satan. <laughs> like he looks like Satan. You know what I mean? Like looks- if Satan... Satan was a businessman. He's like, just sign on the dotted line. And also, you know, like, if Satan was made of a worn in leather and had like, a downtown right, look, had a down, he's got a chill downtown look. <laughs> and he's like, oh, do you want to live deliciously? Like, right? Like, but that's he's definitely Satan. he's leathery in this movie. Like, this is a movie where like thirty years of Nicholson doing like a lot of face acting is showing yeah. in terms of like the crevices, yeah, everywhere. The lines are there. The lines are there. Now, wait, shortly after that is the scene, if I'm remembering right. Again, I watched it a few months ago. Yeah. There's the, Kinnear calls his mom, right? Yes. Yes. That's a heartbreaking scene. It is a tough scene. Yeah. That Um, is a heartbreaking scene. And it's where, yeah, again, like I said, like he's not getting the catharsis there. Like that's what he was trying to do with this road trip. And Nicholson says, makes the gross reveal that he says the reason he brought Helen Hunt on the trip is because she, he wanted her to have sex with Kinnear. No, but he he's not he doesn't really think okay, that. Okay, so you think he doesn't really no, think that's that. just a weird thing that he goes through. Because it's head, a very right? weird he, Because well, he, he is very he cannot expose himself exactly. emotionally. That's yeah. the point where he's realized he has actual feelings, so he has to say something to kill any potential that they are expressed. But then he gets really angry the next morning when he thinks they slept together. Yeah, Kinnear also he's rips a baby. his own cast off like a boss. Yeah, yeah that's pretty good. That's like the, the rock in the, the fast stole and furious. That move yeah. <laughs> but I also just love that I frat Good times noodle salad. That's like my favorite. Yeah. That's my Nicholson Oscar moment where he's like, he reveals like my dad used to hit me with a ruler or whatever. And he's like, it doesn't matter. Like he has no understanding of his own self as a person. Right. right? He can say these things out loud without thinking about how they reflect on him. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, some of us have great stories, pretty stories that take place at lakes with boats and friends and noodle salad. (laughs) Such a good speech. How do you feel about this? Come it's on. It's good fucking speech. What is good noodle times salad? noodle salad. You know, macaroni salad. But why wouldn't you say macaroni yeah. salad? I think because noodle salad sounds better. Yeah, I got a little spin on it. All right. We're I done. Have, I have one final. Except for the romance. We have to talk yeah. about the kiss. There's but, a, yeah. one but final Ben's question because we're talking about quotes. Yeah. What's up with that hug part? Where she's like crying and she's talking about how she hugs her son a lot. And it's like the tone of it is really weird. Do you, do you guys remember this? Yeah, I remember it's like it, yeah. a kind of a subtle joke about how she needs to hug her son because she just doesn't get laid a lot. It's yeah. super weird. <laughs> yeah, and out of all the stuff, like you know, revisiting this movie after not seeing it for a long that's time, the thing that, that was the one that, thing I was like, yeah, whoa, that scratched you the most. Yeah, I, chill. I also just remembered the scene where Greg Kinnear talks about painting his mom in the nude. Right, that's what yeah, that's what that sparks stuff. the Nicholson speech because right. Hunt's like really empathetic. Right, right. She pulls over the car to listen to right. him. Right, Nicholson's like, who gives a fuck? Who gives a fuck? My dad used to throw me in the garbage chute. You know, it probably doesn't mean anything. <laughs> I was the president when Mars attacked. <laughs> that's Batman a bad day. threw me off a cathedral. That jerk. No, I, I, I like this movie is loaded with like fifteen monologues from yeah. for each guy and. uh it's, uh, I don't know. It's just, you said, I, I can't remember what you said exactly, but like you watch Spanglish after this and you're yeah. like, wow, like 
this is the bad version of as good as it gets. Yeah. Where he's like, how about no plot, lots of monologues, nothing makes sense. Right. But it'll all come together in the editing room and it just didn't. It's like from broadcast news on, he takes the wrong lessons from each movie about what he used to do well. Right. And it just gets like watered uh, down. But but yes, I mean, uh, Kinnear and Hunt form this relationship that for her like fulfills the role of what she felt like she was missing romantically, just having this kind of like adult intimate connection sure. with someone that doesn't have to be physical. And he which pisses her, Nicholson off. Treats her like an actual work of art. Right. Yes. Yeah, and she, Nicholson says, did you sleep together? That, that moment's funny too. Right. Where he goes like, did you have sex with her? And then she walks out and he's like, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were there. Right. Did you have sex with her? <laughs> um, but she's like, no, he drew me and he held me and it was better. Like, you don't understand. One night like, with being me. Being nice to a person. Right. And then she decides she doesn't want to be with him anymore. She says, like, go away, I don't Melvin. I want you in my life. Yeah. I have a question. I forget how the Kinnear thing wraps up with the parents. Do they give him a payoff? No. They he, just leave. He, yeah. Because he moves in with Melvin. Yeah. Oh, Remember, yes, Melvin puts Kinnear's whole house in the bedroom. And he calls uh, him. Which is nice. But he calls him the morning after Hunt and says, like, actually, I'm good. I was just calling to check up. Because and, he's and, like, and you, I got my life back. I don't need money. And you hear you. his mom being like, we're sorry we didn't come when you got beaten up. We were gonna, but we didn't. You know, yeah. there's like, yeah. It's rough. It's rough. But no, but the, the, the thing is just they kiss and do you like it? That's like the last thing. I don't love it. Yeah. I agree with Chris that I would like it more if they didn't. I like the walk through the neighborhood. Yeah. And I like I also that like shot. his line about like, we'll just be two people like, you know, who like bread or whatever is yeah. weird. Like. That wasn't a bad Nicholson right there. That's the closest I think he got. Yeah. And he's still skipping the sidewalk lines, right? Yeah. But yeah. she's like forcing him to at least go at her pace. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's That's yeah, as good as make, it Gotta make compromises in life. You yeah. Know? I mean, like, I don't know if they're going to stick together. I don't think they they're will. going to have a weird relationship with yes. each other, like yeah. be it romantic or not. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I, you know, it's a gripe of mine. I bring it up a lot. I'm not throwing the movie under the bus for this, but I think there is a lack of movies in which a straight man and a straight woman have mutual respect for each other that isn't romantic, and that's how it ends. You know? And anytime I see that, I'm, like, very refreshed by that. Uh, and so I, it just, this is one of those movies that feels so close to being able to do that. Sure. It feels like they could pull that off because it's not such a didactic romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. That I'd rather if it was one of those movies where it's like, yeah, you know, we had a moment where we like almost had a thing together and it's very clear we wouldn't be good together. So let's just, you know, you I'll keep on paying your hospital yeah. bills. So you were impressed with me being able to recall stuff before. Yeah. This is the game where I try to recall from memory the box office the weekend the movie opened. Okay. As good as it gets opened on December 26th, 1997. <sighs> Christmas. Yeah. Uh, so. Little Jack under the tree that year. Sure. A little bit of Jack under the tree. Okay. It opened at number three. We've basically done this weekend uh, because this is the second weekend of a very popular movie. Titanic? Correct. That's number one. Did you say Titanic? Titanic. Titanic. The film Titanic about the ship Titanic? <laughs> so that's number one. That's Do number you one. remember the other movies? Because two of the other movies we've talked about are in mm. this top five. Mm-hmm. Okay. So 1997. If you remember, Titanic opened against like a big franchise movie. Titanic opened against a big franchise movie. But uh, this week, Titanic went up, and that movie went down. Family franchise? No. Action franchise. An action franchise. An actioner. It's an actioner. What number was it in the franchise? Uh, I don't know, like 16 or it's something. It's a bond. Yeah. And it was Tomorrow Never Dies? Correct. Okay. How do you feel about Tomorrow Never Dies, Chris? 
Zero opinion on it. Great. Yeah, I feel the same way. <laughs> I like that movie. Number three, as good as it gets. As good as it gets. Okay. Now, which opens to $12 million. Yeah. Perfectly fine. It's going to make 148. Big. Big. Adjusted for inflation, that's like $300 million. And it makes another like 150 overseas. Yep. Jack is back. Sure. Number four is a movie you really struggled to identify the last time we played this game. It is a family <sighs> movie uh, from a director we may cover on this series Mouse one hunt. day. Mouse Hunt. Motion picture Mouse Hunt. You see Mouse Hunt? Nathan Lane, Lee Evans, and Mouse Hunt, directed by Gore Verbinski. No. <laughs> Captain of the Pirates of the Caribbean. Don't Caribbean. get so mad at us, Chris. Franchise. No, I haven't seen Gore, Gore Verbinski, Oscar winner for Rango. You're not familiar with the works of Verbinski? <laughs> he made the Pirates. Yeah, he made the Cure for Wellness. Yes, you got you to go on the hunt, Chris. Number five. Got to go on the hunt. Number five. I forgot this movie opened at Christmas. It's from a big auteur director who's been in the news recently. Oh, I know what it is. Because this was him being like, haha, look at me. I'm releasing it on Christmas. Like right. He made a big deal out of the fact Which is that it was a fucking move. Christmas release. It's his best film, though. It and is. It's called Jackie Brown. That's right. Quentin Tarantino's Jackie Brown. Yeah. Which is my favorite Quentin Tarantino Great movie. movie. Bombs really hard. movie. You know, 40 million. It, it, In the wake of... It tripled its budget. Though. Great Chris yeah. Tucker performance. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Love one that of, performance. One of my favorite Robert De Niro performance. Great De Niro performance. I don't De think Niro he gets enough credit for that oh, one. Oh, he's so good yeah. in that movie. So good. Uh, Fonda. We're fond of her. I'm, I'm a Fonda Bridget. Yeah. Um, Scream 2. The, oh, the dude. number six. Yeah. An American Werewolf in Paris. Speaking of horror sequels. <laughs> Flubber. Oh, yeah. Mr. Magoo. Oh. <laughs> Remember that? With Leslie Nielsen? Yeah. The live action Mr. Magoo? Yeah. And The Postman. Opening this weekend. The, the Postman. Kevin Costner bomb. Costner's The Postman. That's a bomb. Opens to over, $5 million. For Christmas. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Amistad's also in there. Yeah, well, sometimes we've covered. I guess to answer your question, if Kit Fisto had lived to the events of The Last Jedi, I think the whole strategy would have revolved more about like espionage, subterfuge, embedding Jedi warriors in situations where they could assassinate powerful figures of the First Order instead of these ill-advised military battles that they didn't have the equipment or uh, money to pull off. And to, to answer your question... The worst movie I've ever seen in theaters that I paid to see might be Norbit. Norbit. I've been going through my mind to. I kind of like Norbit. <laughs> I will make a, <laughs> I will make a Norbit based admission right now. Uh huh. You walked out. No, it was one of the very few times in my life I have ever smoked pot, and I lost my fucking mind watching Norbit. Oh, that, I found the movie terrifying. That movie's a little. It that's not a good physically combo. uncomfortable. That's probably the reason I do not do any drugs is because of watching you Norbit. I'm thinking of a stone. Catwoman is a movie I paid to see in theaters oh, and I was stoned oh. for that one. That might have been the worst. That's rough. That one's rough. I saw Dude Where's My Car twice. I saw that movie. movie. I saw it, it once. Good movie. Underrated movie. Yeah. I'm not saying good. Oh, ben? I know another one in the running. Here's the, before we get to Ben. What would you guys say? Black Knight versus um, Oh, what's the other one? Uh, I saw Black Knight versus Coyote Ugly. Saw both of those in the theater. Coyote Ugly's not a good movie. I think huh. Black Knight's worse, though. I mean, from just thinking about it. I haven't <laughs> seen Black Knight. Just premise. I saw Coyote, Coyote Ugly. Coyote Ugly is flawed because she lives in South Amboy, New Jersey. And the whole movie is like, oh, she's going to move to the big city. And the parents are freaking out. If you live in South Amboy, New Jersey, you can literally see the New York City skyline from your house. You're, <laughs> You're saying like it's not that big a deal. The right? land of fucking Oz. Yeah. 
Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Ben. Do you, do you know what's another movie I, I fully despise that I definitely paid full ticket price to see opening day? What's that? Van Helsing doesn't get enough shit. Oh, I've never seen Van that. Helsing deserves more shit than it gets. Van Helsing has gotten off easy in our culture. I walked out on a, what's the Benicio Toro? Is it the, the Wolfman? Wolf yeah. I never I, saw that either. I was at the Union Square Theater killing <laughs> you walked time. Out? Well, I, I had therapy on Fridays and then I used to perform every Friday night. Yeah. And I would sometimes go see movies by myself to kill time. It's pretty great. Therapy, a movie, and then go do some improv. Yeah. Pretty good life. It's a hat trick. Yeah. Went and saw The Wolfman and it was so bad. And then maybe 20 minutes in, there's a line where a guy says, uh, Sometimes you don't hunt the monsters. Sometimes they hunt you. Sure. And I popped out of my seat. In Soviet Russia. I popped out of my seat and walked out with such good timing that the crowd applauded my walkout. (laughs) I'm going to throw him under the bus for a moment. But I saw that movie with my brother and and a lady he had a crush on. And I was like, I'm clearly third wheel wingman because my brother's kind of awkward in these situations. Yeah. And he forcibly placed me between the two of them. Oh, at the wolf. Oh, like boy. she clearly was like excited, like going on a date, a little less excited when she saw the brother was coming <laughs> along and then even less excited when I sat next to her. Uh-huh. Ben. And my brother just sat in the other seat ben, shaking his legs. Who needs to go get a sandwich? Yeah, ben So needs we're a wrapped sandwich. up. Yeah, but also, is, do you have a movie? Um, because I like bad movies, yeah. right? So I'm like kind of struggling. But well, there's always that bad movie where you're like, oh, I can't wait to enjoy this, and then you're like, Oh fuck, this is just a bummer. I'll like let, it's not even fun. Let, I mean, think about it this way, Ben. Oh, I what? actually I know I do know what it's. It's uh, I went to the new school, the Village Cinema. That little yeah. guy yeah, on yeah, twelve. Yeah. Sure, I would go to kill time between classes. Yeah, and I saw a movie. I, I think Gandolfini's in it, and it's a musical. <laughs> And it was like, oh, oh, this is the one that John Turturro directed. It was. It's called Romance and Cigarettes. Yeah, that's it's right. It's a John Turturro musical starring James I Gandolfini. I didn't yeah. know. I was just killing time. Like, oh, Gandolfini's in it. <laughs> Sopranos. <laughs> I like that show. I'm gonna sure. check this out. And I hated it. And I think I left. Yeah, that's one of those movies where it was like barely released and. Taturo always like blamed the industry and said it was like a conspiracy, and everyone saw it and was like, oh, "This is a bad movie. You just should have made this." I thing. took time out uh, uh, during a Hawaiian vacation. To go see Little Man <laughs> with Greg Kinnear. Oh no, no, no! The no, Wayne's no, Brothers. No, no. The Wayne's Brothers. I never saw that one. I saw White Chicks <laughs> okay. at the same oh. theater. I saw Catwoman, which is the theater in the Adirondacks where tickets used to be two bucks, and I uh, had a great time with White, white Chicks. Though. I I took a Catwoman, lady. I liked Little Little Man. I I knew what I was getting into. And <laughs> yeah, it was right, everything I wanted. Right, it to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you knew what they were selling, and you bought it. I did. Uh, I I took a lady on a date in high school to see Soul Plane, which was my second time seeing Soul Plane in the theaters. Yeah. And the audience was 95% Hasidic Jews. <laughs> <laughs> Two what? 15-year-olds on a date and one black guy who was super uncomfortable anytime anyone laughed. Jesus, why were they all... No idea, but they loved it. And the black guy was furious. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is not for you. That's a good downtown nor story. Nor for these two kids who are too nervous to kiss. <laughs> all right, we're dumb. Okay. Right? That's yeah. how it ends? Yeah, we're done, right? Well, we're, I no, mean, we're gonna, that's not literally... I'm announcing it to the audience. Yes. You, we're still talking. We're finished. We're going to bid you goodbye. Isn't Daniel Plainview throwing yeah, the I'm bowling pin down. I'm supposed to get lunch with Drew an hour ago. <laughs> oh, I'm you sorry. Fool. No, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> Scheduling you, you around so our podcast. so fun. Thank you so much for being here, Chris. <laughs> thanks for having me. Oh, I took the headphones off because you said we're done. No, it's no, fine. No, I was uh, just... Yeah, we're, we uh, are Get Through Chill will be back on air. March 20th. Uh, yes. And this will be coming out after that, so you'll be in the middle... But not long Tuesday night. Yeah, every Tuesday night. Uh, Tuesday nights and that's and exciting ever since you've been live it's been so much fun I mean it was fun always but I think 
you know, being live is great. Thanks. Yeah, it's much it's, much it's, preferred. Yeah, it's awesome. Thank you. You've both been uh, two of the hugest supporters and sometimes participants in the show. It's an yeah. uh, honor and a privilege. Yep. Um, and Beautiful Anonymous. Yeah. Great what else? What else? I got a book coming out. Shit. New book. Later in the year. Okay. I don't know why I'm announcing that here. That's not announced. I don't know why I've chosen the blank check podcast to blow <laughs> my wad on that. You cut it out if you wanted to <laughs> Maybe. cut it out. Maybe. It's out for a while. So you Who have knows? the time in between when we're recording this and when it's released. That's no, fine. Leave it in. It's exclusive. <laughs> Hot scoop. Yeah. It's exclusive. Downtown Griffey Noobs get exclusives. <laughs> Super chill. Uh, thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Thanks to Leigh Montgomery for our theme song, Joe Bowen and Pat Rounds for our artwork, and for Gouda for our social media. Go to blankies.reddit.com for some real nerdy shit. Uh, and thank you to our sponsors, uh, ZipRecruiter, Hims, and uh, eHarmony. And yeah. as always, forgot to introduce the Ben Dooster. Yeah, we did. We Ooh, were so ben. busy. Poet Laureate. The Haas. Mr. Positive. Chris, we traded for Moutier. Soaking Wet Benny. JD Amato. Dirt I turned on Benny. my phone and JD Amato said, are you seeing the these tiebreaker. trades? Yeah. Text came up right now. Our the Cavs offloaded half the team. Cavs meat did. lover. They, they got rid of Derrick Rose, Isaiah Farthest Thomas, uh, Peeper, Channing Fry. Fuck Matt. Um, you know they Not got, they, they, they got Rodney Hood. They got George Hill. He is a close personal like friend Hill. of Dan Lewis. Okay. I mean, they remade. They their kept team. Kevin Love. Graduated yeah. to certain tells over the course of different yeah. miniseries. I wonder what happens to him? Kylo Ben. We didn't even talk about Chris Depp. That Producer was Ben Kenobi. I like Moutier. Ben Nightshalmon. Good reclamation project. Yeah. Say anything that that. You're going to have Moody and Beasley? I want Beasley gone. Really? Because I'm like worried. He's won a couple games. Well, that's the thing. I'm like, now that Chris Steps is out, let's just tank. And like Beasley's the guy's going to be like, no, man, I'm going for 35 every game. What happened to Frank? Frank benched? I no, he's just been playing like Robo minutes a game, and now I'm sure they'll he's play not more. Starting uh, ben left. No, he they haven't left. started him because they were trying to win. Studios. Now so I, I, feel like I think this is still recording, but I don't know how we end it because he's gone. He gone. He's gone. He left. He, he went, went and got a sandwich. 